Hello, good evening, and welcome to another episode of Cryptid Ramblers podcast. I'm Callum from Essex in the UK, and across from me, as always, is Scott, also from Essex. How you doing, man? Hello. Yeah, very good, mate. How's, this? How's things? Good. Yes. Yeah. Not. Uh, yeah. Not too bad at all. Um, has your week been good? Yeah. Not too bad. Busy with work. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Luckily enough, no, no killing of pheasants or <laughs> of any other small animals. No. no luckily, the UK pheasant population <laughs> is uh, going strong this week. They are safe from me this week. Safe from you and your car anyway, yeah, and your roof rack. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so yeah, thankfully I haven't been um, initiated in any more blood rituals. I I haven't had any more high strangeness or anything like that, thankfully. Exactly, Um, yeah. How about you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, again, busy week with with work. Um, Obviously now everything can open up again. Everyone's got into a panic as to whether their business is oh, yeah. um and so it's good because it's keeping me busy and i can keep me head down and whatever so it's not uh it's not too bad um nothing to grumble at no exactly right um unfortunately in terms of high strangeness i've i probably wasn't as uh fortunate and uh thankfully <laughs> <laughs> i'll say thankfully being the operative word you were there uh i was there to witness it. it yeah so i'm not i was there to this see up. your face <laughs> Yeah, which I'm I'm sure you took great uh, pleasure in. I can. uh, Oh oh, yeah, after the last episode, yeah, I did. I know you did. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was. um, So it was for those that don't know. Obviously, the listeners, we're recording on a on a Sunday, um, and we we do our call the Thursday before to basically go over the sort of episode and kind of plan the the timings and everything. And um, so we we did so on the. The Thursday that uh, just gone, yeah. and uh, <laughs> we'd, uh, we're coming towards the end of our chat, weren't we? We were talking about yeah. visiting uh, Canuck Chase up in. There's uh, something that we 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 talk about there quite a lot, don't we? Yeah, because it's only a good, yeah. it's only about four or five hours away from where we live, and it's uh, we just we just love all the high strangeness that happens over there. So we was talking about how much we want to do experiments and do maybe even do overnight camp there yeah, exactly. as well. Well, yeah, we were talking about, yeah, going there, doing a recording from the, the woods. Um, yeah, doing, that as well. Doing, a, you know, spirit boxes and, uh, you know, other bits. And, um, yeah. Well, just you even, of... even suggested do actually recording an episode there, which I'm, yeah, I was like, it, yeah. yeah, I'm up for that, man. That is so, yeah, that's so fucking cool. No, we should do that with all the ambience, everything. Exactly. No, absolutely. And you're right. It would be, uh, it would be cool. And, uh, you know, you, you made a joke about, um, you know, you doing the, uh, the, the blind, uh, spirit block, spirit box, sorry, with the That's right, yeah. and, uh, being concerned that I would, uh, you know, sort of crap me pants Alt and, it. uh, run off and, <laughs> and leave you and, uh, leave me in the middle of fucking Caddick chase with a blindfold and ear defenders on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then perfectly timed, um, I start hearing this this music now. I had the TV on at the the time, for, for mostly sort of for you know background noise. So I I thought it was that. Mm. Um, it was. But I couldn't hear the TV to be honest. You couldn't no. It was, no. It was distracting to, you know, to say the least. And um, I know you'd sort of noticed me making a few sort of faces, and you know, kind of my eyes were wandering to sort of figure out where it was coming from. Yeah. I paused or muted the telly 
and uh, I could still hear it. And I'm thinking, where's that coming from? And I, I just got, I was just getting to the point where I was saying to you, is, is that music coming from like your end? Like if you've got the telly on your end or something and yeah. you gave me a similar look and was like, can you hear that? Yeah. Because uh, I could hear something faint on yeah. my end of things. Yeah, and that's where I was like, yeah, no, I can, I can hear music, but I have no idea where it's coming from. Obviously, we we don't record the sort of calls on a on a Thursday, no. so I took the headset off, and I could hear that it was coming from um, my wife's Alexa, which is set up in the kitchen, which is the next room on from where I was at the time, or where I'm sitting now, actually. Uh, but it, and it was really loud. And I even said to you, I said, you haven't heard me say the words Alexa or give any comments no. or, or anything well, like that. And it, well, I was talking at the time that it started playing. You were thinking back yeah. on it. It was you so, talking, actually, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and so I was just sitting there um, just and, and thinking, what the hell is, is, is going on? And so I've still got the headset off at this point. And it was only when listening, listening intently to what was playing <laughs> that... Uh, <laughs> That I realised that it was the uh, the classic uh, "Lost in the Woods" by uh, was it uh, Frozen Two? It's from yeah, a now, song called "Lost in, Lost the, in Woods. the Woods." And we were talking about doing that very thing, doing spirit boxes, you know, recording you know a live episode and EVPs and everything else. Now, you know, people listening might be thinking, "Well, song from Frozen isn't going to be particularly scary, is it?" But the fact that the Alexa came on unprompted. Out of the millions of songs in its catalogue, that was the one it picked. At the very time, you were talking about being lost in the woods and me running scared because <laughs> yeah. because I'd heard something. Um, and so, yeah, I'm then crapping myself because I was in the house on, on my own. Aside from you know, the two kids who were both asleep, it was pitch black for the most part. And so I'm like, right, I've now got to walk out there. And turn this bloody thing off. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, yeah. So then that, so it was like it was. Um, so I was like, looking out of the peephole. Well, I, I deliberately didn't because I just thought, you know what? <laughs> knowing my luck, that's you know that's the next uh, you know the next bloody thing. So I um, yeah, there'd be two black-eyed little shits out there waiting for you. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> but so I. I remember taking the headset off and holding it down the hallway and being like, "Can you hear that? Like, can you know? Can you hear the hear the song or whatever? Um, you know, to which you you know, to which you could just to confirm that it yeah, wasn't I could just hear, making it up. I could hear something, but yeah. I couldn't I couldn't yeah. distinguish what it was. Yeah, but it was anyone else? To be honest, it. mate, your reaction was good enough for me, mate. That was <laughs> it was brilliant. I've never seen you go white before. <laughs> Well, mate, that's that's the, that's the first time anything like that has happened, um, you know. And everything lined up, our, you know, our conversation, what we were talking about, yeah. And the moment you started talking about that in particular, that song came on unprompted from an Alexa in another room, and yeah, out of all the songs it could have played at that time, if it was just a random uh, like glitch or something, why yeah, would it have picked some random song? Well, why would it have picked that one? Uh, I don't. In particular, that's what, yeah, that, that, that's what got me. And so then I had to gingerly kind of shuffle down the hallway towards the kitchen, <laughs> try and scramble for the light to make sure there wasn't see, anyone I could in see there. your reflection. I could see your reflection in your conservatory door. So I could yeah. see you shuffling down the hallway to the kitchen as well. <laughs> and it was so brilliant. I wasn't you rushing down little there. steps. 
I wasn't rushing down there for anyone, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen too many horror films to know that the idiot oh. always runs in there first. <laughs> yeah. too, you know, too quick, gets their head lopped off or something. Oh, so, mate. Yeah, but not only did I, did I have to say, like, you know, Alexa, stop. I turned that fucking thing off at the wall as well. <laughs> Plug that bitch. <laughs> yeah. Put it in the freezer. Exactly. Yeah. I wasn't, uh, yeah, I wasn't um, uh, taking any chances with that one. That's for sure. Well, you know what I'm taking from that, don't you? Go on. It's going to be you doing the blind spirit box, not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I ain't getting lost in the woods. You're getting That's lost all, in yeah, the woods, well, sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I need. That's all. Yeah, I, need. I know, right? Um, yeah, no, exactly. So that was. Uh, that was yeah. Well, it was funny and terrifying um, at the same time. Um, yeah, but it's the first thing that's of that sort of nature that's really yes happened to me the, that I would the first bit of strangeness has ever happened to you, isn't it? Yeah, that I would openly admit to being a, a strange occurrence or whatever. Because I, you know, for the most part, I'd always try and look for the logical explanation as to why something. Well, you, yeah, or, you even. You even messaged me the next day saying I even you want to wind you of up, winding mate. me up. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. "What you winding me up? Did you do something? How did you do like? this?" <laughs> yeah, because I was convinced <laughs> it hadn't, you know, it hadn't uh, hadn't happened. Um, and, and, and I suppose the other thing as well to say is that it's never done that before. You know, it's never glitched or anything before to me to think well, oh, well, it happens before. It's probably picked up a word and you know and picked the closest song or whatever. It's never done. You know, I mean, these Alexas, they do have some weird things going on. There's plenty of videos out there that that that, that show some mm. proper weird stuff. That, that have like when uh, the, the best one that I've ever seen. It really made me chuckle because of everyone's reaction. For some reason, they were filming it, but they're all in the kitchen. They're all having a laugh, and everyone's laughing. And then every once the laughter dies down, a little bit over the way, is Alexa goes ha 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 ha. <laughs> Just like <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Where's where's that come from? Has it got sentience? Does it understand humour? What is it? You know, but yeah, exactly. yeah, we've all seen Ultron. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know? It was just yes, yeah, so that was um yeah, that was particularly me. Particularly weird. But like I said, I'm glad that you were there because if if I if I was telling this so story, am I. Yeah, I know you were. <laughs> if I was telling this story otherwise, I don't think I'd be convinced and I, know, I, don't, I don't know if anyone else would but the fact that you were there to corroborate my story knows that i'm not going mad and that it did yeah. actually happen <laughs> did so this actually isn't happen. this isn't a promo bit for the podcast or you know us starting to kind of make things up just to kind of you know add in no. some scary stories this is a genuine creepy as shit well <laughs> well john kill did say something along the lines of a long-winded way of when you look at it it looks back at you it looks back at you and i think that is yeah, I think that's happening, you know, for us both. Because I know you in the mm-hmm. last episode had a, had you know had a what well, a thing with the, the pheasant and the young uh, the, the young boy at the bus stop. And well, I haven't seen thing. any young lads with blue coats walking by, and believe me, I've been watching. So it's yeah. yeah. So with any luck, at least that part of it's done, and we can move on to some other weird shit that happens to well, us. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which kind of nicely segues um into this next bit now before we actually jump into the uh subject of the uh the podcast and following on from my <laughs> or our story from uh, during the week yep. um we're looking to hopefully introduce a new little segment um to, yeah. to the beginning of the uh the episodes um and we're looking to call this segment 
listener encounters which is mm. i know catchy um you know there's a real think tank around thinking we'll learn some uh, we'll learn some uh, awards for that one mate exactly right so. originality <laughs> and all that, yeah um it's come about because conveniently um we've had exactly that a listener has uh, written into us with uh, with with an encounter um yeah, with have. sort of creepy goings on that uh, that they experienced and pretty recently as well um now i know that this came into you directly scott didn't it so did you yes. want to do you want to take it away? And... Sure thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this comes in from uh, a listener uh, by the name of James. And me and James go back quite a way. Um, we haven't interacted much over the years, but, you know, we very much used to be part of the same sort of family friend group. So all the family do's and such when we were younger, um, we'd, we'd often be at those as well. So... He's uh, he's recently been messaging me saying he's been enjoying the podcast, which is great. You know, I love the fact that he's uh, that he's been reaching out to us and and uh, and expressing how much he's enjoying it. Absolutely. Um, but he had uh, he had a bit of a strange strange happening um, a little while ago. So I'll give you a bit of background on James. James is a he's a forklift uh, engineer and he's currently working in a cold storage warehouse. Um, okay. He's been at the time he was working nights and. Uh, his night shift would often finish at around about 2 a.m. Mm. Now, from the point at which he finishes up and has to walk out of the warehouse, it's about a 15 to 20 minute walk to get out of the warehouse and into his car. That's right. So what? So the, the area in which this warehouse is, is situated is a very sparsely populated area. There's, mm. you know, there's a part of the, the car park that backs onto a load of marshes. There's a couple of other buildings dotted about, but otherwise it's, it's very secluded. Yeah. Okay. So, but there's a lot of ambient noise when mm. you walk out of the main lobby area. And he sent a, sent me a video to demonstrate what it's like walking out there. And there's a mm. lot of noise um outside yeah, that's from the because he says there's an incinerator chimney about 100 yards away um and it billows out smoke and constantly going so there's always sound there's always noise there's a usual drone from the incinerator and mm. refrigeration units etc but this particular night that he came out as he exited the building and started to go across the car park to his car he had a strange feeling come over him and he realized that he couldn't hear the usual warehouse noises and he just like he had this strange feeling, like almost like um, like a blanket had been put over him mm. and was holding him tight. It's kind of how it's not his words, but it's kind of how he describes it to me. And okay. he remembers looking at the trees and seeing that the wind was blowing, mm. but he couldn't hear it. He couldn't hear the wind going through the trees. And stranger still he couldn't even hear his his footsteps either. Now, this happened for like about uh, a minute or two, and he had this odd feeling that was still coming over him, and it it continued for a little while longer. Mm. Then it seems like his ears popped, like like a sudden change in elevation. You know, like when you just go down a hill or, you know, maybe even... Normally when you're um, in the car, it happens, doesn't it? Yeah, or if you're on the underground, you know, the central line is Mm. terrible for it. Because yeah. there's so much noise on that thing, and the change, sudden change in in elevation, it makes your ears pop. Yeah. Then, as his ears popped, all the sound came back to him, and he felt normal again. 
And he was just like, oh, that was really weird. That was just, I don't know what to make of that. And uh, after he got back into his car, you know, about the, you know, the silence of that metal bubble that is your car, he realised yeah. that he's, he had a low tone ringing in his ears. Right. Um, but what he noted was that the whole time, the whole thing seemed so strange and that it felt like he was in a vacuum. Now, he didn't really make any sort of, he just kind of brushed it off, really, and dismissed it. Um, but then he listened to our episode in which we mentioned the Oz effect. Yeah, you mentioned it last last time. Yeah, I mentioned it mentioned it very very briefly, um, and uh, he, that's when he reached out to me and said, "Look, mate, well, I just listened to this about what you said about being in a vacuum, mm. and that pretty much explains what I experienced." So, I mean, he said it lasted merely seconds, like it wasn't happening for minutes or anything like that. It was like he walked into this area, the mm. sound just like completely disappeared. Almost. Yeah, like, like it's yeah. like a bubble, mm. like a bubble, like, like what the Oz effects, the Oz effect yeah. um, is described as being, you're walking into an invisible bubble yeah. that sound can't penetrate. But it happened to um, John Kill, didn't it? If you remember in the um, Mothman yeah. episode that we did, he he recalls um, going on a, a sort of a scout to a location where a lot of locals had mm. reported to have seen it. And you remember driving up and down a road when you hit a particular part of the road, you had that exact, almost that exact thing, wasn't it? Well, the thing is that the Oz effect seems to precede high strangeness. So whether that's spotting yeah. a UFO or having contact with something, or yeah. usually, usually there's like missing time. That's right. Or anything yeah. like that. So I did ask him and he wasn't really sure if there was any missing time, but that could be, missing time could be, anywhere as much as several hours or seconds yeah you know you just is and unless you're very much aware of it then you you'll never know maybe notice it maybe yeah exactly um, you'll never know but i mean he did even sent me a message afterwards as well just saying like you know just trying to i try and think of it logically and you know try and see it try and explain it away you know, I know so you try to explain that about being tired. <laughs> yeah, ain't that right? <laughs> Maybe you did say something that Alexa picked up on it. Maybe, hopefully, hopefully it did. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he even goes as far as to say maybe it was a lapse in brain function, which I think is a bit harsh. Of himself, I think that's really. a bit harsh. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know the guy. Even I was like, no, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be that, is it? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, man. He's unless it happens a all lapse the time. In brain function. Exactly. He said it's literally the first time it's yeah. ever happened. He's done those exactly. night shifts for uh, forever, he was mm. saying. So it was it was very, very odd. Um, but yeah, like I said, he he's never experienced anything like that before. So it was quite interesting. And I'm really thankful for him for reaching out and oh, saying absolutely. that no, maybe definitely. we've opened him up to a bit more information that's that's out there. Hopefully so. Um, I mean, that's the sort of... Um you know, interactions that we want with, you know, with, with kind of listeners. And it's, it's actually quite mm. cool to think that we've actually sort of helped him in a way, you know, yeah. by, by well, talking about that and it resonating with him and the experience that he's had. As you say, it's yeah. opened him up to information that you might not have known about. I know you mentioned to you about, mm. you know, getting a bit of stick from, you know, the lads at work and stuff. Yeah, so the did. fact that he felt comfortable coming to you, you know, sort of slash us mm. to, you know, with that is, um, no, he's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is that's really cool of him as well. I mean, really, me and James haven't really spoken in a in a very long time. I think the last time I saw him was at my uncle's sixtieth, 
over in South Ockenden. So that was oh, wow, that quite was a, a while ago. ago quite, yeah, quite a few years ago. Mm. So it was, um, yeah, very much appreciate that, James. So shout yeah, out to you, you bud. Yeah, cheers, man. Um, but it certainly does sound like he's experienced uh, the Oz effect there because yeah, he's detailed other things in his in his story to me that I didn't mention about no, you it. So have unless, yeah, unless he has done a bit of research and, and such, but it doesn't certainly doesn't sound that from the sound bites that he that he sent me. So, but yeah, so obviously no, we're good. hoping we're we're. We're not um, expecting a new story from our listeners every single week, but not every episode, if you do, no. if you do have one, then uh, you can always send one to us, even if you want to send it anonymously. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's cryptidramblerspodcast at hotmail dot com. So yeah, yeah. send us uh, anything, any even if it's not you know your own stories. If you've got family members or you know friends or something who've had a you know an experience, they don't mind you sharing it, then. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd yeah. love to read them and share them. Like we said, we can always keep it anonymous as well. So, you know, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's certainly very entertaining. And uh, mm. I mean, no, I've, I've really enjoyed James listening. as well to keep me up to date as well if anything else happens. So, yeah, exactly. That would be good if it's yeah. different different times and, you know, different parts of the, the unit that he works in, that kind of thing. Yeah, it'd be good to sort of know whether it's a one and done type thing or, you know, whether it's a, a regular thing. I mean, I, I suppose I, I hope it's not a regular thing for him because it could lead yeah. to the stuff down the line, but. Well, ain't that right. Yeah. But no, I certainly thing. hope that it, then, you know, that nothing terrible falls upon you no, and, and such, but yeah, thanks for certainly thanks yeah. for getting into contact yeah. and uh, telling us about it, James. Much yeah, appreciated. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you, mate. Um, Right, so that that leads us into um, into this episode and, and what we're yeah. and what we're going to cover. Um, and if if you remember uh, from the last episode, we are going to be covering the mysterious uh, individuals who are none other than the women in black. Um, they are known as the creepy companions of the elusive men in black, um, and have a very similar mo. Um, and this we will, of course, cover um, in the uh, in the episode. Um, encounters with the women in black, or WIBs, uh, follow a very odd and unnerving pattern, uh, much like the the men in black, um, but they are actually more sinister and, believe it or not, more threatening. Um, certainly to you know your life and well-being than what the the men in black were. Um, so I can't remember the name of the song, but the female of the species uh, is certainly that's more exactly deadly it. than the male. <laughs> that's by space. That's it. That's the yeah. one. Yeah. I can't think of the name <laughs> of it. <laughs> um, now we're going to be covering a, obviously a whole host of things. I suppose it's worth mentioning that, you know, much like our previous episodes, there isn't really one main encounter or one main story um, that we are going to be you know, kind of retelling or, or sort of reading from. Um, this one has got a host of a host of plenty, really. Yes. Um, that are all detailed in uh, the book, which is aptly named Women in Black um, mm. by Nick Redfern. Now, you can buy the paperback, but I, I know we both listened to the uh, audio book, which is mm. uh, a little over six hours. Um, and and Nick Redfern's very much an accomplished author as well. He's... 
He's oh, very much so. Many yeah. books, especially. I think he's written three books on the Men in Black, just as a, a subject Alone, itself. Yeah, exactly. And he came. He started finding a lot of uh, connections with various different stories that, yeah, you know, that um, encompassed the Men in Black behaviors and yeah. such. And then, but there was a slight twist to it in that it was women in black. But mm, um, absolutely, yeah. Which. I suppose as a disclaimer as well for the, the listeners, prior to uh, this episode, I hadn't, or the research for this episode at least, I didn't really have much in the way of any knowledge of the women in black and that they were mm. part of this, you know, part of this, you know, cryptozoology, this, you know, this mythology. So um, yeah. as soon as I heard it sort of name dropped, it was when actually um, doing the Black Eyed Children um that it actually sort of came about certainly you know for me and even looking through some of the encounters which we did cover uh, or certainly elements of in the men in black episode i was astonished that you know mention well, of these women well, never, the never is, popped up well we didn't even make the connection in uh, no. in, in some of the stories that we, that no. we over the past couple of episodes really but yeah i i only knew about the women in black again through nick redfern's uh, articles and such because he mm. writes profusely for mysterious <laughs> universe uh, yeah. which is a fantastic podcast as well we're getting, yeah, they're constantly going on about various different high strangeness um i am actually a plus subscriber for them and yeah, their I'm content is yeah. is phenomenal it's brilliant i love that it it's good yeah, I, I have listened um, to a handful myself mostly for research purposes for our own uh, admittedly mm. um i know we've given them shout outs before just to thank them for the source but they are really they are great from. And Nick Redfern, like I say, he often writes for them on, on their does. articles page and, and such. And that that was really the only reason why I think that I heard about the women in black was because of his articles. Yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much and then, same, uh, then uh, came across his book as well, which was, you yeah. know, and I, I, I was kind of sitting on it for quite a while, never really thought, oh, yeah, I'll look into that, look into that. And it's mm. once you went, oh, my God, women in black, mate. Yeah. I was like, yeah okay it warrants it now (laughs) it warrants that now so i think we we got to the right point in our sort of timeline of cryptids to uh Mm. sort of tackle this one um especially off the back of the high creepiness of the uh black eyed children which was our um our last episode and and that kind of segued quite nicely into you know into this one um because one of the you know obviously one of the theories is that the black eyed children were a uh, you know, an entity of of sorts. Um, there's a couple of theories that, that, that kind of pull out of. They, they, there's a couple of theories that pull out of this research as well as to what the black-eyed yeah, children exactly. are. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which so, we, uh, yeah, we'll no doubt cover later on in the uh, the episode. Um, we're expanding, ladies and gentlemen. We are. We are. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but look, the, the sort of things we're going to cover is going to be a, a host of different encounters and you know, sort of theories, um, mostly from Nick Redfern's uh, book. Um, but we, we're we going to start with, you know, appearances um, unintentionally, um, it's worth mm. noting, as an extra uh, in the, in Charlie Chaplin's 1928 film, The Circus. Yes. Uh, and we, you know, we go right through to the phantom social workers that swept the UK in the 80s. Um, and unsurprisingly, we do wind up back in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Oh, Mountain uh, Mama! Just for the, <laughs> just because <laughs> why not? 
just because why not um so as, as we also mentioned at the end of the last episode we have tried to basically not regurgitate the same information or, or stories that we would have previously gone over in our men in black episode uh, and luckily for the most part they are entirely different so mm. aside from referencing a few individuals uh and like i just did there a few places like point pleasant that should really be the only the only things that hopefully this is all new and fresh for you guys as it was for for us or certainly uh certainly myself um so look without uh without further ado um let's get into it let's go man. let's go let's go um so yes as i mentioned at the at the top there um the first reported uh, actual sighting, and uh, certainly on film, um, yeah. of, a, of a woman in black, uh, was in yeah the 1928 film um, The Circus, uh, starring Charlie Chaplin. Now, interestingly, it wasn't originally when the film was released that it was necessarily pointed out. It was actually, I think, in 2010 when they re-released the DVD. Yeah. Um, with some, you know, extras, deleted scenes and, you know, behind the scenes type stuff that this particular clip um, was found. And it it basically shows um, an elderly woman um, in a black woolen hat, a long black um, overcoat uh, and blacked uh, blacked out uh, sunglasses um, walking down the street in the sort of back of the shot holding to her ear what looks to be like a mobile phone mm. now of course we're talking 1928 so such devices wouldn't have been uh, wouldn't well, have been around then um well, it also, turns out it turns out oh, sorry mate it, it turns out it was um it was being made in 1926 and uh through various personal go. issues charlie chaplin didn't actually release it until 28 oh, um, right okay so he went through he went through a, a divorce as well oh, right, um and many other bits and pieces there was a fire at his studio there was scratches on the negatives there was basically there was someone was trying to stop this film from coming out yeah mm, which coincidental no well i think not yeah that's interesting i did actually yeah generally didn't didn't know that um no, so that i mean that certainly adds credence to you know the lady that was spotted in the in the in the back of the shot and again you know she wasn't making herself known she wasn't deliberately in in shot you know she was actually walking you know sort of looked, across the the screen if you like you know uh from right to left i believe um yeah you know just kind of minding her own business doing her own thing and you know you you see through the we'll share it on the socials i, I did find a, a clip of it on youtube yep. and she, she basically looks away from the, the sort of the camera gradually until she's looking down at the floor and you see her holding something to her ear as she's walking you know through the uh That's right. the so she's, yeah she's going from right to left um with her left hand closest to the camera up to her That's face right. yeah. and as she's walking you can see her mouth moving so yeah. she's talking into, into something, something yeah. and then she stops kind of turns a little bit to the left laughs she must spot the camera at this point and then she ducks her head and then down. she does it's it. like yeah, right. oh, but like she's walked into Oh bloody oh there's a camera there. Yeah. You know, and then, she's then the scene oblivious. sort of cuts and fades into something else. Yeah, exactly. So she's completely oblivious to kind of what was going on. And now, now a few of the I mean, including the director of the film, uh, a few sort of Charlie himself. 
you exactly yeah a few eyewitnesses um at the time the strangest thing to them was the fact that she had on the big overcoat and the woolen hat on because the the time of year that it was when they made the film and the the the, the weather that they would have had wouldn't have given a reason to wrap up in in that way so no, again it it's... just feeds into their mo of being oddly dressed for either the time period or the well, absolutely, because I did look into it a little bit further, and like I say, it was it was filming began on the 11th of January, but it, it of 1926. But it seems like majority of the filming was actually done in the summer months in LA. So, if she's dressing with this massive overcoat and woolen hat, and what well, did you notice? Her shoes. That her shoes were like yeah. oversized. So you know, like they're like no, some of the. On her. You know, like some of the lads that wear their uh, the loafers now with the great big points on the front of them. Yeah, they're winkle pickers. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the winkle yeah. pickers. She looked like she was wearing yeah. winkle pickers. Yeah, like witchy, like witchy poo shoes, but they were too big <laughs> yeah. for that sort of thing. Then she'd ironed them out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't curled up at the end. She'd ironed them out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it, yeah. it just looked really weird. She looked well out of place. Mm. She's. I mean, I've known about that footage for quite a while, not in this sense, in that it's mm. in a woman in black sort of sense, right. although she is a woman in black, yeah. but from a time traveller sort of view, because I've, mm. I've watched, I've seen plenty of those videos on YouTube, time travellers, caught on tape and yeah. stuff like that. And Exactly. So I have known about that particular footage and I never really looked at it in the same light that Nick Redfern has, you know, and no. it's... I liked that. I liked what he was saying about it, but yeah, that yeah, again, just it just all looks a bit odd. It does, yeah. And you you could be forgiven for thinking, well, it's a film called The Circus, so is she an extra? Is she a you know cast member in costume or in an outfit or whatever? She but, didn't seem to have a beard, so no, exactly. So she's, she's, not, she's not part of the circus. No, exactly. So no, and that's it. And people have sort of said, you know, we don't know who she was. She wasn't supposed to be in the shot. And you can tell by how awkward she looks when she realizes you yeah. know how yeah how awkward it all uh, you know it all really is so yeah so that's the uh charlie chaplin uh, sort of incident i thought that encounter would be quite good to mm. start off with just because it's sort of such a, a sort of a famous uh, person involved um although i don't think he was directly linked to the encounter but you know it was also a film with yeah. his and he would have been on set and stuff um now, as mentioned as well in the uh, intro, uh, we do wind up back in good old Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Mm, West Virginia. Um, our favourite part of the world, it would seem. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we are back on uh, hot on the heels on uh, John Kill uh, in his hunt for the famed Mothman, which we also mm. cover in, uh, in an earlier episode. Um, now, this uh, is around the early 1960s, and... Uh, it's uh, it includes a group of uh, women in black WIBs, um, essentially posing as censor takers or uh, census takers. Census takers, yeah. Um, in also in around that area, and you know, much like the men in black, they would just randomly turn up at, at people's houses. They would use this mm. as their way of um, you know being accepted into the the home um it would start out relatively normal um in terms of the, the questions so you know so what you'd expect to find on a on a census so it'd be things How like many you know in the home yeah 
average income, income of the household. Yeah, how many people lived in the home, how many rooms the home had, that that kind of thing. How many um, vehicles, all that sort of yeah, stuff. All, yeah, all that sort of gubbins. Yeah, um, and then as expected with with these types, um, <laughs> they the, the the questioning then took or would take a sudden uh, sort of odd turn, as uh, as a lot of people uh, reported. They would then start asking the inhabitants of the property whether they'd had any strange dreams of late, um, mm. any telephone interference when making a, a phone call, um, and what their beliefs were regarding UFOs. Yeah, um, which is a very, very odd set of questions for census takers to start asking, very, isn't it? Well, very odd and strangely uh, specific. <laughs> yeah, um, it was It was not also noted that a lot of them turned up late at night as well, which, yeah, again, same if you're census takers... You wouldn't be turning up at night, you know. You'd be, you know, no. you, you're nine to five sort of thing. Like, you're not, you're not yeah. knocking on someone's door at half past four. You know, <laughs> you're getting ready to go home. Well, exactly, and uh, their their appearance was, you know, obviously odd as well as we've kind of briefly um, discussed. And they followed a similar um, kind of appearance pattern as the uh, the men in black, uh, whereby mm. they'd wear either uh, black uh, long black wigs. Uh, or um, not um, sort of pork pie hats, but you know woolen sort of black woolen uh, hats in you know mm. in the same way that the men would wear like a fedora, um, long it's black so... overcoats, black shoes. You know the the, the usual getup that you would you know that you would expect, mm. which also wasn't fitting with you know the the local you know the local Point government Pleasant, West Virginia. Point Pleasant at that time, which is why yeah. you know they thought John Kill was. Uh, was highly suspicious when he was uh, first on the scene because of his attire coming from uh, was it New York, I think it was, or yeah, somewhere yeah, it was like coming that. from New York. He had a he had a big old beard going on. Yeah, he, had, he wore black sh- black uh, suits, the black yeah. uh, hat. He so was he, over six foot tall as well. Well, exactly. So and, he unintentionally fit the mo as well, and so you, you could see that that type of you know whether they thought that because it was women, it would be less um, you know it'd be less threatening or, or invasive I, you know i don't know but yeah as you say turning up late at night to carry out a census um and not only that but then to start asking very odd and specific questions did mm. obviously arouse suspicion quite quickly within the within the town but also they seem to be quite forceful not like just like forcefully like prat- practically forcing their way in almost like yeah. oh you know so this, that's kind of a contrast to um other men in black uh, encounters that we covered in our previous episodes, but it does also, because we're also kind of linking the women in black, men in black, and the black eyed children. Yes. And because right. the black eyed children does all, do also come up in, in our research, and it does, which yeah. we'll go on a little bit more about later on. But it's in that's in direct contrast because it seems like the women in black are the only ones that are really kind of a bit more forceful. And yeah maybe not Definitely. necessarily playing by the rules if there's some sort of no. set rules that the men in black and the black eyed children are adhering to then the women in black really ain't they're on a different yeah they're reading from a different rule book and that, that's kind of mm. what i alluded to in in the intro in the sense that they are more kind of threatening um you know to your kind of well-being you know if mm. if you don't comply with what they want to achieve uh, whether that be an abduction or or getting information from you, then they they turn, you know, aggressive very quickly. 
Um, So they seem a little bit more kind of switched on or a little bit more determined to get to their end game. Whereas, you know, the men in black from what we covered were a little bit more out of touch, um, a little bit more kind of, um, they they, get things wrong, a lot, get things wrong, make mistakes. Um, whereas much the, like humans, eh? Isn't it? Much, much like human men, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the women are a lot more assertive, got a better idea on what they need to achieve and pretty much they'll achieve it by any means necessary. Um, and that's certainly what we've, uh, yeah, sort of come to, um, come to realize. Now it's worth just mentioning, uh, as well that, uh, and I, we do briefly mention it in the main black episode as well, but, uh, John Kill himself reportedly uh, had a secretary um, who mm. transpired was actually a woman in black posing as uh, his secretary because they know, know that he's a prominent figure in the world of you know cryptids and UFOs and strange happenings. Um, obviously, he and, was there at that time, and he was there at that time, which they've been aware of. Um, mm. And yes, yeah, so she posed as his secretary. Uh, to try and add a bit of weight to kind of their mission in terms of questioning, you know, being openly invited into people's homes, uh, you know, and, and and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so again, you know, it ties us back to not only West Virginia, but, uh, you know, the Mothman and kind of those goings on as well, um, which is, uh, yeah, which is always good. Um, now, just... But that the one thing that I did find as well with regards to the, this sort of behaviour about them posing as as census takers, yeah, I found again that's a lot more clever hmm. than a government agent or a military officer or something. Yeah. Something something along the lines of like social sort yeah. of. So I kind of guess what we call sociology. Isn't it? So it serves more for someone's... purpose. It gives a reason for them to be there, regardless of the time of day. It gives them a specific purpose, not just you know randomly knocking on doors, asking random mm. questions. They start off with you know we're here from you know the council, local government, however it's set up. You know we're here to take the census. We'll hit you with the standard questions, and then we'll segue into our own um, kind of intention and and ask some weird old questions. Which follows on to. That exact same MO, but maybe a bit more sinister one. Yes. Where they <laughs> pose as social workers. They do. Um, yes. Which is incredibly disturbing because very much they so. yeah. in they were doing that in the 1970s over over the other side of the pond, but they well, were exactly. doing that here in the UK in the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. So about 20 yeah 20 years uh, later, um, all around the UK. Um, Scotland and Ireland uh, specifically, uh, it was something that became known as the Phantom Social Workers or PSWs um, in sort of local press, you know, certainly over here. Um, mm. And yeah, it, they, it wasn't a census as such, obviously they were posing as social workers and what they would do is they would go to homes where they knew young children were, uh, where, you know, were, you know, were living and they would claim that they had received reports that uh, children were being abused in these yeah. family homes. Now, whether that was, you know, 
sexual, physical. You know, I, I don't. They didn't really I go into too much kind of detail, but you can. Yeah, I think Nick. I think Nick just idea. puts down uh, physical abuse. Physical abuse. So yeah, that, that can mean that, whatever. It? And they're obviously going on that tact because that's the more serious. It gives them a reason to be there. You know, it gives them mm. credibility to why they're maybe being aggressive and you know trying to remove the children you know, from their, you know, from their homes. Um, obviously, the intention from certainly what the parents themselves felt and also uh, Nick, Nick Redfern uh, is that they they were there to essentially abduct the children, um, mm. you know, for their own, you know, for their own... For whatever uses. reason. I mean. Now, whether that was to actually then use them, in you know, in their... Um, you know, in, in in their processes, because obviously, you know, we've mentioned the black-eyed children working closely with the men in black. Is this how they got the black-eyed children? Mm. You know, was it kids that were abducted well, at that age? Which is why the age range was so vast with the black-eyed children from, you know, the age of six to eight, I think right up to about 16 years of age. Now, was that because yeah. they would just knock on, you know, from door to door uh, and would just abduct the, the first child that they saw you know, in that in that home. And well, that... the thing is, I'm sure there's plenty of uh, plenty of parents or even single mothers that are incredibly vulnerable that exactly wouldn't yeah. necessarily fight back with it, or, or just or no. couldn't fight back with it. So, no, exactly. Out of out of the nine cases that might have called the police, and you know the the old women in black scarper, mm. there may have been one or two that they managed to get the child um and i, I think exactly I, I think i mentioned it before about the with the black eyed children that there were stories of changelings um in the yeah. dina she where they were either taken right. yeah. or or given and kind of like the uh the night king in game of thrones where they then yeah. change them change into them into their black own children. sort of yeah. thing almost like whether it's a, a, a hybrid sort of thing or yeah or an actual different entity well, that's why um, it would explain why they they always stay at that age, you know. Yeah. Because of because of that, because they were, you know, turned into whatever entity they've become, you know, at that age for a specific you know purpose. So, uh, um, like like Kirsten Dunst in the interview with the vampire. Well, yeah, that pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Which again, t you know, sort of ties vampires. Um, you know, back into it, which I know is a theory we discussed briefly at the end of the yeah. last episode. So it's all but even all even for this lot, up. even for this mob, the women in black. That's even the theory that they're vampires. So as well. they are, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I thought it was in, it was interesting and kind of important, I think, to to mention that um, because of the yeah because of the the you know the connections. It, you know, it also mm. brings it you know back over to you know sort of the UK, which was something that was widely reported and and publicized in the uk yeah. at the time it was a real hot thing of you know i remember i remember my mum and dad talking about it in mm. the 90s and like then you know mum being absolutely mortified that something like that would happen and yeah. i think yeah, that I mean, might even have sparked the uh you know don't talk to strangers talk because it was such a you know, widely mm. publicised thing. I think it was something along those. I, I seem to remember it. Whether it's, I don't know, whether I'm making it up or not, I don't know. But it, it seems to be a memory. Um, you know, I don't have many from when I was younger. <laughs> um, but it, it, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, there was some resemblance. It was all the alcohol, I, mate, wasn't it? Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was. Yeah, 
there was something anyway when reading through the actual reports at the you know for mm. this research that sort of clawed something back anyway whether you know whether it's a memory or not i don't know but yeah it's certainly um you know sort of found itself familiar um now they're just a number of the the kind of the brief encounters that uh, nick goes over in his uh, in his book um i think we're now going to dive into um those that we found are you know they were probably the most compelling um you know the most interesting um and also those that kind of you know in all honesty tie in some of our previous episodes in terms of the beliefs the theories you know the the origins of of what yeah you know women in black um you know could be um and it also you know with the next one that we'll go into it also does keep us in in the 80s but we're, we're back over the pond in uh, in new york uh, this time oh, no. in 1987 uh with a book editor by the name of bruce lee um mm -hmm. not the bruce lee you're thinking of um no <laughs> which was my initial thought when i saw the name pop up <laughs> i was like hang on oh, wait, that's, that's not bruce when that happened <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's not yeah. how it went down, surely. We've got yeah. a star-studied episode. Exactly, yeah. Um, he, yeah, he. So he's a um, he's a book editor, as I say. He worked for a publisher by the name of Marrow, I think it was, or Marrow. Um, right, Marrow. And yeah, I think, I think the I think the Americans would pronounce it as Marrow. Marrow, yeah. I think yeah. So. That's why I th I th that's why I went with that first. I think um, they, yeah. So he has an encounter with. Uh, with one of each, actually, two agents, uh, a man and woman uh, in black, uh, in a New York bookstore. Um, now, he, he notes that the, the the female was wearing, a, again, a, a black woolen hat, sunglasses, and a uh, long scarf. Um, and, yeah, her, her partner, obviously, the male, um, was dressed very much how we've already gone over in our previous episodes, mm -hmm. a black suit, sunglasses, uh, black fedora. Um, now, there's a couple of things that, that kind of intrigued him about this this couple. Is that when they walked in, they made a beeline for a, a particular book, um, which is called Communion by Whitney Schreiber. Now, Whitley. Say that again. Whitley. Whitley Schreiber. Oh, so I thought it was Whitney. No, Whits Whitley. <laughs> Whitley. Whitley, yeah. Yeah, gentleman sound, called Whitley Schreiber. That doesn't even sound right. Okay. All right. Well, I'll stand corrected. <laughs> I could have sworn they said Whitney, but uh, yeah, but, but the, yeah. So the, the, that's the, the book, which actually we're both going to kind of read separately because we yeah. think there's a read. There's a separate reason why that, that name is. Sorry, that book has been name dropped mm. in this particular um, encounter. Well. But the, the the two things that kind of caught Bruce's eye with this is that they didn't they look like out of towners so but but they knew exactly where to go for this book now it only mm. just come out recently so it wouldn't have been kind of hot off the uh, press um but they made a beeline for it they knew exactly where it was and when they both picked it up they were basically speed reading it so i imagine that they were just kind of like flicking through the pages super fast mm. you know kind of picking up you know what was on these pages you know and i think the other thing that threw him off was the female of the two um started laugh, laughing maniacally uh, and in quite a sort That's of right, yeah. tone um and it, it freaked him out and it obviously caught his attention now it freaked everyone else out in the bookshop exactly yeah he actually he actually approached them um as well because the other thing was that the the book in particular was published by 
the company that he works for. Yeah. So he was interested to actually get some feedback on the book because, like I say, it only just come out. So he was looking for some kind of first-hand uh, kind of feedback or you know a mm. review of sorts. And he he quizzes them because he's like, well, it's not really a funny a funny book. So why was she laughing? And I think he sort of asks her a question along that sort of line um, mm. to which the, right. the couple basically look at each other um, in a sort of a confused manner. Um, and they both sort of turn to kind of stare at him. And Bruce notices, I think you mentioned this before we recorded, uh, that Bruce notices her eyes um, yeah. from, from kind he, of behind the glasses. Is that right? He describes them as huge, mad dog eyes. Like, yeah, this, this she ain't writing yet sort of thing. Well, I mean, yeah. she's laughing maniacally in a bookstore, and we all know yeah. you treat bookstores like a library. Yeah, so exactly, you, yeah. <laughs> you do not raise your voice in a bookstore <laughs> so, well it's a ufo book as well so i can't imagine yeah. it's full of laughs and so that's your yeah. first faux pas love yeah yeah, yeah. but also it's worth Football. noticing as well that he he describes as he's walking toward them in order to engage in conversation he starts getting yeah. this really odd feeling like yeah like almost like kind of like revulsion really that's kind of how i picked yeah, it up it's that kind in the of same unease. sort of sense as the previous yeah episodes we've done where yeah. they've approached a being of some sort and it's they've just got this really uneasy feeling and then as he's yeah. kind of engaged tried to engage in conversation with them and they've just met him with silence one mm. they either don't even speak english no there was that yeah and they i mean it's it's just weird i mean what do you what do you extrapolate from that do, is there some i know is there some sort of warning is there some sort of it's definitely weird. It's high strangeness, that's for sure. It's but... definitely weird. Certainly high strangeness. Um, yeah. Very interestingly, the the encounter for the for the most part kind of stops there because Lee actually um, gets the fuck out bolts, of there. <laughs> bolts. Yeah. He's like fuck this, and he he basically runs out of the out of the bookstore, um, and he, he doesn't make it too far out when he kind of stops to kind of gather his thoughts to kind of try and process what had kind of just happened um but yeah, he got that uh, over that, that that overwhelming panic he did, he did he, yeah he's got that anxiety and that panic uh, and he just he has to leave the the bookstore which, which is something we've also spoken about with the men in black episode it is again yes it's all these synchronicities that are kind of tying in which is again one of the reasons why i wanted to mention this one mm. uh, in particular now if i remember rightly i think he, he he has this kind of almost panic attack of sorts he bolts out of the store he doesn't make it particularly far. And he stops to kind of, I don't know, catch his breath, gather his thoughts or whatever. Um, and I think he actually says about kind of regrouping and wanting to sort of wanting to go back in there. Um, yeah. And when he does, they've disappeared. Now, with this particular library, there's only one way in and one way out. And they would have had to have passed him mm. to, 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 you know, to leave wherever it you know, whether it be to cross the road or, or walk, whatever, and he didn't see them leave the the building yet. They disappeared from from the store, um, and so that's which the, again is very typical of these women in black and yeah. men in black encounters. They seem to appear out of nowhere and then just disappear, disappear just as quickly. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so again, that's just again quite an odd. And again, like with these encounters, hopefully it's sort of coming across, but they seem to, they're, they're certainly kind of more 
you know, on the, the sinister side on, you know, the creep factor is oh, definitely. You know, right on level, you know, up to 11, you know, on the, well, on this we stuff. did. There's another one that's, that is mentioned as well, that mm. unfortunately it does end in a fatality. So it, I it guess does, put a trigger warning right? in here because it's, it's not yeah. that long ago. It only happened in, no. in 2001. Yes. Yeah, and, right. uh, and that was uh, Colin Perks and that was over was. here in the UK. Yes, it was. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so he was. Um, Colin Perks was. He basically became quite obsessed with the the legend of King Arthur, didn't he? That's right. And and yeah. searching for the the real person that may have inspired the the stories and such. And there's yeah. there's, there's a, a rich amount of research out there and as to where the stories of King Arthur and his Round Table and his his knights all came from. Um, yeah, exactly, and kind of the truth rich... behind the folklore and stuff. It's it's rich in kind of stories in folklore. Oh, it's a great story. In There's... theories as to whether he was actually real, and and if so, was he actually you know a sort of a, a king of sorts, or was was it just a a kind of fabricated story from someone who might have been just a prominent um, a prominent figure? But I think in on on this particular occasion, I think Colin was wasn't he? Um, he was trying to find the final resting place. Of that's uh, right, King Arthur, which which took him to um, which took him to Glastonbury because I think that's where he thought he thought it was. Um, mm. in, that's where a lot of castles. a lot of the the King Arthur researchers believe that Camelot was in Camelot was either in Glastonbury or it was in a small small well, town Glastonbury in Wales. itself. Glastonbury itself is um, is a is kind of like a centre point for a lot of high strangeness. There's a lot of um ley lines um that's right, energy yeah. grids and stuff like that i would say energy grids like earth energy grids yeah it's a lot of spiritual energy that happens in glastonbury um yeah, i'm sure right. that all goes out of the fucking window when the festival turns up mind you but yeah i bet yeah it, well there's not a strange turns up it just increases <laughs> it just increases just increases from enhancements all the pillars yeah exactly um so yeah he was obviously yeah he was, he was in and around glastonbury searching for the final resting place of the uh yeah infamous king arthur um and he he receives a visit mm. from a woman in black um now she kind of didn't mess about she wasn't pulling any punches she just kind of jumps straight in and warns him against looking into um the paranormal yeah which i thought was strange because obviously his research was 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 king arthur um but her warning was against looking into the paranormal into the paranormal and there's yeah. something to obviously look into there which i'm sure we'll do in a well uh, i think from what well, i because i did do a little bit more research on him itself and it seems like he did end up going down um i suppose what you would call an esoterical sort of route with it mm. so there's a lot of um in the story of the king arthur there's a lot of um symbolism but when i say esoterical it, a lot of people might initially think of things like um the freemasons and, and secret societies and stuff like that but yeah. just esoteric basically means hidden mm. so he was looking at various different methods as to how to go about finding the final resting resting yeah. place of King Arthur. So, in a way, he was kind of touching upon 
the paranormal and mm. supernatural um yeah exactly in yeah. his pursuits of finding this this well holy grail i guess really so, well yeah um, his his holy grail i guess in in hunting down um in, in in king arthur um now this was a again it was it was a knock on on the door um you know she's standing there um i think it's chucking with rain outside mm. uh she's bone dry without an umbrella yes which was something that he noticed that was quite odd um and she just warns him against milk white skin as well milk white yes. skin like yeah yeah like moonlight again yeah followed the sort of the the appearance of of pretty much any other men in black or, or woman in black uh sort of encounter um yeah like, like i say she warns him against the the paranormal um and that he shouldn't look into it anymore and he should end all investigations uh and all she says to him is that he uh, she's from a government agency so there's no census check-in there's no no. no um social worker intention this is you know i'm from the government and i'm telling you that you need to do this under yeah, you know no uncertain terms do you continue and she's very very uh forward you know well she's that's exactly it. it she says that she's from a secret branch of the uk government that's and right. they're intent on shutting down research into all realms of, of paranormal that's right um which again that's that's um it's a very specific way of saying it. All realms, of all realms, para yeah. paranormal. A particular word usage there. That yeah, because there seems to be a, a trend that's been happening in the past maybe ten, possibly fifteen years, where the idea that the paranormal mm. is a different realm to what we experience here, almost like a, a interdimensional sort of thing. So where yes, we exactly, exist in yeah. this particular realm, the physical realm or the material mm. realm, that there are spiritual, there are demonic, mm. there are all these various mm. different realms. So yeah, that's right. In two thousand, in two thousand and one, mm. that's the language that she was using. Then that yeah. kind of, I don't know. I, to be honest, it's a bit before my time of really getting into this sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it you know, we were, yeah, I mean, we were still at school at that point. Okay, yeah, no, we <laughs> would have been. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and yeah, and so look, so Colin, he doesn't believe her. Um, and he it's says on that bike. he has, yeah, he has no intention of giving into what he called empty threats. Um, That's right. And yeah, and he, he's kind of just as blunt with her as she is with him. Um, now she smiles at him um, mm. in quite a, a sort of an odd uh, fashion and simply says that he's made a mistake in not complying with her request um and that another visitor would appear and, yes. that, and that's that's all she, that's all she says and she and she leaves she just gives uh um, she gives a, an emotionless smile yeah so and uh, we all know Almost what like they look just, like yeah exactly Almost like it was just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the fellas out there yeah. know exactly what that looks like. You know where they come from, yeah. yeah. Um, go on, go out. Exactly. Do what you like. Do what you like. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so late at night, a few, a few days later, um, Colin is, is, is in bed and he happens to sort of see a red-eyed snarling gargoyle like creature 
um, but basically lurking over him uh, at the foot of his bed. Um, it's yeah, it's just kind of looming or like hovering over him, um, and he he can't do he can't do anything. It doesn't do anything to him. It doesn't say anything. All it does is let out a a, a, a wailing type like sort of screech scream. or a wow, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and this is where the first sort of mention of the a potential banshee um, is uh, mm. is mentioned out of all of the encounters. I think this is the first one that kind of that draws that reference. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which going by the description and the the screech um in which uh they they mention it is very much certainly from what i know which is fairly very limited at this point it's uh banshee like yeah it's that territory so it's, it's kind of in and around that area of mm. the there of was Christian. a story that we mentioned before um i believe it was on the mothman episode about um the soldiers out in vietnam and they witnessed um, right. yeah, before the a wind. dam collapsed. That, um, it was the dam collapse, wasn't it, in Vietnam? Was it the dam collapse, the one in Vietnam? I'm talking about the one where they this winged creature starts flying above their head. And it's okay. female. Yeah. It's female mm. in form, except mm. it looks like it hasn't got any bones in its arms. Yeah. Um, now, th th this is something that Nick Redfern also tried. He, he seems to find a connection with that mm. on this creature as well. Yeah, exactly. A rich history of these black winged creatures with red eyes um, that seem to be about. Now, did you notice with this one that very much? I don't know if you how much you know about sleep paralysis and sleep paralysis demons. I mean, thankfully, nothing personally, but yeah, a lot of that stuff has cropped up in pretty much all the research I've done since mm. pretty much the Bigfoot episode, to be honest, in, yeah. in some shape or form. Um, and so, yeah, again, especially with Colin Perk's uh, account, it, it definitely seems to have that type of vibe. Of, that he couldn't yeah. really move or, or anything like that. It's just He could just see this thing. He couldn't react to it bed. other than just observe it, yeah. And kind yeah, of, which yeah, sounds like sleep paralysis, which... It sounds it, like it. it. He doesn't mention yeah. it specifically, but certainly from his account, or certainly how it's retold in the in the book is that yeah it, it certainly falls into that kind of that category it certainly mm. has that vibe about it um, it might coincide with her saying to him stop looking into all realms of the paranormal now we know that sleep paralysis yeah. is a, a paranormal phenomenon so mm. we know i guess there's a lot of people that think that is the case very strongly because yes, we don't exactly, really yeah. understand what sure, yeah. sleep paralysis is there's a lot mm. of um, mainstream scientists that just go, well, yeah, you're in a dream like hypnagogic state is what they call it. Yeah. A hypnagogic state where you hallucinate and you see these demons sitting on your chest whilst yeah. you're, you know, technically your body's asleep but your mind's not. Mm. And um, so, but I did find that that was quite interesting. Even yeah, Colin exactly, Burks yeah. goes on to, he goes on to say that he thinks that this winged gargoyle beast thing that was at the foot of his bed and yeah. the woman in black are one of the two things, one of the same, basically. Yeah, I think it was, he said it was either the same woman that was at his door that had shapeshifted into this creature to kind of add a bit of weight to her message, or it was a demon sent there by the woman in black. Um, 
Mm. Uh, e- either way, they are. He believes that they are connected in, in yeah, some shape or form, which is um, yeah, it's pretty pretty terrifying. Either way, I think well, he, whether it's her or someone that she's summoned, yeah, pretty unsettling. It seems like there's a bit of a bit of a, a thing with regards to those sort of creatures as well, because um, yes. unfortunately, he he did pass. Um, I'm not entirely sure how long after this particular encounter it was. But no. he's no longer with us. No. Um, so I suppose that's where a lot of people are maybe drawing from the banshee thing. The banshee is supposed to appear and scream. Um, in okay. Irish folklore, at the very least, that it screams the name of the person that's supposed to go. Um, yeah. And in Welsh, they have the 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 uh, ribbon, yeah. is what they call it. Um, and it's, it's even it's a it's a term that's even used today, which I found was quite funny. And it's okay. to describe a particularly ugly woman. They they say <laughs> <laughs> they say she's ugly like a cracker ribbon. Okay, I'm not yeah, going to do a Welsh accent because I'm not very no. good at it. So no. Uh, no accents today, people. I'm afraid. No, no, no. <laughs> Copeland's out today, thankfully. So. She looked like a cracker ribbon. <laughs> hey. Good attempt. I like that. Very good. Yeah, I had to give it a go. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and yeah, as you say, I, mean, I can't see that going down well as a as a chart up line, but uh, yeah, it certainly draws <laughs> comparisons to the Welsh and um, Irish uh, sort of versions of uh, yeah, the sort of the, the, the banshee or you know banshee like uh, creature. So um, mm. yes, yeah, so it's, it's probably certainly from what I saw, it seems to be or heard. Sorry, is the kind of the first. Um, encounter where they try and link the two together or, or use that as a reference based on yeah it, it does crop up a couple of times as we'll as we'll go through in, in yeah. the following encounters but uh yeah i thought that was quite quite interesting because again it, it it draws itself to a theory that we also had for the the black eyed children yeah. um that also lends itself to to this and also it's creepy as hell <laughs> whether it it's indeed. a banshee or a sleep paralysis demon or whether they're one of the same it's um mm. It's pretty terrifying, and yeah, you know, as you say, that they're drawing comparisons between Colin's passing and that encounter as being, uh, you know, as being linked. Although he, I think he only documented that it was a, a screech or a wail. He, he didn't, he couldn't hear any any, any name or formed like words that. or names or mm. you know or, or anything like that. So that's that's probably the only bit that that, that, that kind of doesn't support that. But otherwise, yeah. you know, you've got all the. You've got all the criteria there, really. Um, well, I mean, sticking with the, the paranormal sort of route, um, yeah. this kind of takes us a bit full circle back to uh, Mr. Albert Bender, I think. It does, it? yes. Albert K. Now, Bender, yes. If, if you haven't listened to our Men in Black episode, we go into... Then why not? Uh, Albert... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Firstly, why the hell not? Firstly, yeah. Why are you at number <laughs> yeah. eight? What you are you doing? Yeah. To, what was it, number <laughs> yeah. four, I believe it was? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are you doing, mate? Go back. Go have a listen. Pause it here. As long as this is going to make sense. <laughs> Skip back. Yeah, get yeah. back to it. Yeah. But um, yeah, so he, if you haven't listened to that, go and listen to it. And uh, we go into his story in a lot of detail. Um, yes, we do, yeah. Three Men and Flying Saucers, I think it was. Yeah. Um, his book that he wrote. Now, he's, his family actually has um, a, a history of encounters with a woman in black That's now right. even though bender's accounts with the men in black started in the early 50s mm. the 
women in black encounters started in the 1930s and it wasn't to him uh, fortunately it was actually to his younger cousin that's right yeah. now he was told this these stories by his mum um so bedtime stories it's, uh, it's right. some nice yeah. scary stories about what happened to your cousin yeah, yeah so, they were the types the, of uh, stories that he got, which probably set him on the path to where he ended up with yeah, you know, creating his chamber creating of horrors. His own, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So his um, his cousin's story of a woman in black, um, it starts off with um, the young lad always wearing a coin around his neck okay. on an unbroken chain, right? And kind of a bit like Frodo in the Ring. Really, he never took it off. He never took it off. He always wore it when he was bathing, swimming, sleeping. Um, And they noticed. (laughs) 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 precious. He he start his health started to decline, and um, Hmm. they couldn't really understand uh, any particular reason as to why it was declining. Doctors couldn't find out. Uh, it was racking the mum and dad's brains. You know, so what's going on with him? They didn't know what was happening. Um, and then he started saying to them that there was this woman in black that comes into his room. Mm. And they was like, oh, it's, it's just the, the stories that they've told about the old girl who lived in the mine, because apparently their house was opposite an old opposite mine. Opposite issues mine, yeah. Well, he was only six as well, so I think they put a lot of it down to his age and overactive imagination, and listening to these stories, I mean, the story of this yeah. this woman was quite a tragic one. Was that yeah. um, she? Really? Yeah, yeah, it really is. So it goes that she was um, very much a a spinster, as they would say, like yeah. an older woman that didn't have a husband. Well, I believe she was to... a witch, didn't they? She. Well, yeah, they would have done any any woman that witch. wasn't. Yeah. yeah, any spinster would have been accused mm. of being a witch, especially if she yeah. had like say a dozen cats around her. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. this woman reportedly did. Mm. Um, for one thing led to another, and she couldn't hold on to life anymore. And no. she ended up um, drawing a knife across her throat and throwing herself into one of the disused shafts within the mine. That's right. Um, and when they, you know, they found her body, they brought it all up, and mm. uh, you know, the 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 story of the woman in black persisted. Yeah, and it well, just so happened that. Sorry, just to cut in. That that her body, when it was finally recovered, was actually kept in the house that Bender's family then moved into years later, whilst they were preparing her body to obviously take her to a crematorium or you know a morgue or whatever the process would have been at that point. So yeah, they they believed that the 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 sort of spooky goings on was because the the woman's body got taken to that house because it was directly opposite Mm. the mine. Even even at that time when it was in use, so they just they just dropped her off at the first first place. Pretty much, oh, that was it. It was to prepare her to move her to the local graveyard. So they stored her body in that house oh, until the graveyard man. was ready for her to uh, to be moved. So yes, I think that's where it ultimately came it from. Would, yeah, would have been a good couple of days at the very least. You know, I don't know how quite possibly how efficient yeah, those exactly. grave diggers were. Well, exactly. Yeah, really? it could have been hours, or it could have been days but yeah certainly long mm. enough for there to be an unsettling feeling yeah absolutely so house. this yeah. this young lad um complained about having a woman in black in his room and that would scare him 
Um, so they, his parents just left it up to his imaginations and, and such. Yeah, and, well, they so thought that. it was nonsense. I think in the account, I think they actually used the word nonsense. They thought it was just a load of rubbish. Yeah, it's a load of rubbish. They didn't believe him, yeah. And uh, until one day he, well, one evening, should I say, mm. he screamed out, screamed out, and his mum and dad come running in, and he actually had hand marks around his neck. Yeah. And he screamed about, um, the, the the woman in black was choking him and trying to take his coin. That's right. Yeah, um, she had the chain. He had the pattern from the chain embedded in his um, in his neck, as well. along yeah. with along with the the Pressure hand marks, marks from, as well. Yeah. So right. he, his mum and dad were actually like, oh, well, hang on a second, this this is getting pretty bad. Maybe he's done it to himself. He's pulled it or something like that. So we're just going to sit in the room with him until just make sure that he's okay. He's mm. going to sleep and such. So they start just sitting there watching him. He nods off. He goes to sleep. And yeah. then in their half dreamlike state themselves were there almost nodding off. Dad notices a bit of movement in the room. Mm. And he sees a black figure or pale figure, should I say, yeah. clad in black, um, glide across the room toward the bed that has his son in. That's and right, yeah. as he's, he's watching it almost... Sorry, go on. Sorry, man, I was just going to say, this all came from you know, a number of accounts where he would wake up screaming himself, claiming to have heard a wailing scream from this woman who, for the most part, would just stand in the corner of of his room and it was only on this last in, encounter um because i think when the parents run into the room um the chain was broken off uh from around his neck the pattern was embedded in his uh in his skin um and i think the coin was next to him off the chain but on the that's on right the it was pillow. on the pillow yes yeah um yeah sorry and, you're right i didn't i did miss that bit out yeah and he uh so he obviously claimed that she was choking him that she was trying to take his coin now they called mm. a local doctor in the hope that he would be able to like help um but he said it was nothing more than childhood nightmares mm. and discounted the claims as, as being anything but um, such a stupid child yeah exactly uh, and then that's mind. when yeah exactly um and then that's when it yeah it also ties into the encounter that's that, when they decided to because, sit in his room and well, they basically said, you know, enough was enough, and they opted to sleep in his room until the situation improved, i.e. if it was nightmares, they wanted him to feel comfortable enough that the nightmares would stop. Um, yeah. So that's why they slept in the room. And then, yeah, then, well, yeah, you'd sorry. Do goes into... You'd do that for your kid, wouldn't you? You really would. You would, yeah, if it was that bad. Just to show you, you that maybe they're a bit more responsible than, say, Albert's mum. Is telling exactly scary telling stories. Story, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no nightmares yeah. for you, okay? Yeah, exactly. You want to sleep? But, no, it's overrated. But yeah, so <laughs> um, yeah, so Dad actually does wake up and he witnesses this pale figure gliding across the floor, all clad in black, and he in his dreamlike state, he's like he's not noticed. What is that? Is that just a trick of my eye? And then he sees a pale white hand come out from it, bony bony hand. Yeah, that's right. Reaching toward his kid's neck. That's right. Again, um, trying to go for the the coin. Going for the coin again. Yeah. So he jumps up. He lights a candle and thrusts it into this figure's into face. face. Yeah. And it was a his gall 
like this sunken eyed, sunken cheek, dead, pale looking thing. Very gaunt, chalky skin, yeah, yeah. sunken, dark um, eyes. And it was shocked. It was shocked that he had seen it. And mum had woken up by this point as well. And she had got up and she could see yeah. it. And this thing looked at him, looked at her, looked back at him, screamed, and then yeah. just disappeared. Yeah. But also taking the coin with it. Yeah. That's and then right. after that, it never appeared to them again. Well, because I don't think it was, if, if, if I've got this... Uh if I've got this right, they never actually... Um, because they move out returned. after Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, they, they actually moved out of the house, didn't they, within a week that's, of that happening. That's good like, grounds. No, no, that's good uh, grounds to move, that one. Yeah. Pack up the house, we are off. <laughs> I wonder if um, uh, that was before the law came in, in uh, the federal law in America, where you have to declare if your house is haunted. I can't imagine so. Otherwise, every house in America would have been bloody haunted, wouldn't it? Honestly, no one would, no one honestly, would buy you have, yeah. you have to declare it out there. I'd imagine you would. Yeah, it's, you it's would. crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. I think that's absolutely crazy that you have to declare whether your house is haunted or not before well, you sell people, it. People believe it, you know, that much, and yeah. the way that you know Americans like to sue each other. You know, if you sold your house and didn't declare it, you'd only get sued anyway. So you might as well give people a heads up. You know, but there's a but there's the a bit of a bit of a paradox though, because surely the belief of it perpetuates the event. Well, because that seems to be what the case is at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what a lot of people are taking note of. So maybe you've got a house full of people who really, really don't believe it, have nothing happen, and then yeah, well, it someone was... else moves in who very much believes it, and all this shit starts. The blood's dripping out of the walls, the whole shebang. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so <laughs> you know. This is obviously another tie into obviously previous episode and, and not only that, but previous individual, although it didn't directly involve uh, Albert Bender, it was his young cousin. Um, mm. And he's actually kind of credited his cousin's experiences with the woman in black uh, to his um, obsession with alchemy, which also all things yes. kind of gold and, and coins. Um, and that it was that belief um, that, that basically life can be created or recreated through science and the transference of life force, which I think is where the use of the uh, coins. Well, this is uh, comes this is in. the thing about alchemy. Alchemy yeah. in it in the material sense is um, taking, say, a base metal like lead, and yeah. through <laughs> alchemy turning it into a precious metal like gold. Like gold, yeah. Now there have been many stories over the years of Men in Black doing just that. Mm. Um, taking, well, they did it to Bender, didn't they? They gave him the well, coin. They've got, a very, they've, got, they've got an obsession with coins. They've made yeah. coins appear and disappear. <laughs> Not necessarily like, um, like a magician would, like with sleight of hand, but no. they hold the coin in their hand and the coin sort of dissolves. dissolves. It just... A bit like the snap in, uh, in Avengers. It, it kind of dissipates yeah, into like a dust. Away. In front of them. No, I think that's 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 pretty much how it's been. Um, you know, that's pretty much how it's been described. But it's used as a mm. threat, isn't it? Because they've said, look, 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 what happens to this coin if you don't stop? It's what gone you're somewhere. Doing, this will happen to you, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And we this can't. This coin get has back. gone somewhere else, yeah. and you'll go there. Yeah. If you continue to to persist. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. Yes. He's Albert Bender's favorite book was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and the whole idea of the elixir of life um That's which in I mean. itself is a, it's, it's an allegory really for internal 
alchemy. Mm. And that would be internal alchemy, essentially, would be spiritual immortality. So that's what what a lot of um, Buddhist monks, um, they tend to practice that spiritual balance, that find the, the whole idea of finding the chakras and having them all in line. That in itself is what you would call internal alchemy. Um, and because of his deep ties to alchemy, Bender likely knew a lot more about the woman in black than had previously known. Um, What's well, the thing he didn't let on in his own... previously thought, really, because of the, yeah. the connection of that coin. There's there is one yeah. we don't know what the metal was. was on that coin. No, no, we don't know. But it seems like women in black and men in black in particular. Mm. They have a bit of an obsession with with coins, um, and it is something of, as we know as well. It's something that came up in his Men in Black experiences, where he would use a coin-like piece was, of metal. He was given a coin, sort of thing, wasn't he? By a, to contact, yeah, these beings. Well, so that, and that's what um, he also says uh, sparked his uh, sort of desire to create the Chamber of Horrors because he was trying to create a portal to another realm in the hope that he could communicate with the women in black ideally the one that visited his cousin to find Mm. out what you know kind of her purpose was what the intention was you know why they have such an interest in um in alchemy basically yeah um because there there really is i mean i don't guessing you haven't really looked into alchemy or anything like that and i've done i have little i know a little bit about it nothing massive or anything like that but there there seems to be something about it because there was also again going along the alchemy sort of route there was another story that cropped up in in nick's book in nick redfern's book about um a woman in black encounter where she asked is there any au around here now yeah exactly yeah anyone that does know on the um periodic table yeah i know now (laughs) symbol for gold is au it is yeah so there is, and also there's plenty of stories um, from like origin stories of ancient cultures. Mm. Like for instance, um, the Sumerians, yeah. their ancient, their, their origin story was that they were created by the Anunnaki, which were the, the gods that came from the sky. Mm. Um, and the whole purpose of being created was so that we mined gold for the Anunnaki. So humans were created in order to, mine gold for these these creatures yeah exactly um there's also i forget the name of the culture but there's one in south africa as well as a tribe of people that say exactly the same thing and now they're separated geographically mm. by thousands of miles yeah exactly um, yeah but i believe also similar relevance there's another what I, I don't know it's not the hopi but i'm sure there is another tribe in north america that said right. the same sort of thing so it seems like if we are looking down the extraterrestrial sort of route with these yeah. and the alchemy sort of thing. Mm. I mean, alchemy is incredibly interesting. Yeah, um, it certainly is, yeah. Then I can understand why he might have been, Obsessed might have had a, maybe a, yeah. a mild obsession with alchemy because yeah. there seems to be a lot that ties into it. Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, his, his cousin had his own experience only the age of six with the relevance of, you know, of this coin that was around his neck 
and then Bender when he was older um, when the men in black visited him he had his own interaction with a, a mm. coin and, and how that was relevant to communication um, so yeah you can see where his obsession uh, came from um, that's for sure um, now talking about previous uh, sort of subjects um, the the next uh, encounter um certainly for me i don't know how you feel about it scott but it certainly had a, a valiant thor kind of it really ring did. to it in terms of the <laughs> the kind of the fantastical uh you know almost romantic romanticized uh oh, space fabrication baby. yeah exactly uh you know fabrication <laughs> of a of an encounter now i suppose you know disclaimer this is definitely a geezer who was cheating on his missus and he got caught and he had to think of something to get out of it. That that was definitely that, that was the first thing that popped into my head. Well, no, I, do you know what? I'll give it's him only credit. speculation. I'm not, you know, accusing him of anything. I don't give I'm giving oh, you know, I'll give him all the credit in the world because there is no way I could come up with something like this. No, yeah, I mean, like, no, I mean Gemma where have you fucking, been? Gemma look through uh, this. Yeah, uh, she'd see through it and she'd be like, I'll piss off. <laughs> I've, I've been in a flying saucer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got seduced yeah. by a little alien. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't get far. Well, I, I certainly wouldn't. But yeah. um, this uh, this involves a, a guy in California in 1898 by the name of Truman Bethurum um, in the. Uh, Mopper Valley area um, of, of, of California. Mo Mormon Massa, I think, is the particular mountain range that he was uh, he was climbing at the time. Um, now his reason his reason for climbing it is because his wife likes shells, and yep. he was there specifically to collect them because they're found in that particular uh, area. Um, now during his hike he was stopped in his tracks by a, a UFO, essentially, which descended and landed in, in, in front of him. Um, and a small uh, sort of group of, of aliens, um, you know, exited the, the craft. They were about four feet in height um, with mm. a humanoid-looking um, alien with them who also exited the, uh, the craft. And they instantly began um, speaking with him. Now, they claim to have come from far away. Um, and this is where it kind of draws the Valiant Thor fingers again. It, and they're almost like um, injured cold as well. Um, they claim to have come from a faraway planet called Clarion uh, or Clarion. Um, yeah, I read it as Clarion. Or Clarion. 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 And their leader, uh, who is the, the humanoid, uh, was... Uh, so he went by the name Captain Ara Reigns, mm. which, whether, whether it's nonsense or not, I think that's a really cool name. It is, yeah. <laughs> so if he's, fought, if he's come up with it, then kudos for coming up with it, because it's a super cool yeah. name. Um, that's just the aspiring author in me kind of looking at it thinking, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a killer oh, name for an alien. I come up with that one? Shit. Yeah. Yes. Beat me to it. Um, now well, he, I think that also might be, sorry, I, I, I think that might be uh, the the accent of the woman that narrated the the book because yeah. i found the spelling it's spelled as aura a-u-r-a oh, right see i've written it down so, as aura is it a-r-a like aura yeah no it's aura reigns aura reigns oh, yeah, that's okay. how that's how uh, us british might say it. brits would but, uh, butcher it yeah yeah 
But okay, yeah, apparently that, that was her name. Oh, um, and okay. she seemed to be certainly the taller of the lot, but no more than five foot tall. No, she, yeah, so she was, only a, she was only a bit taller, but yeah, she, she was more humanoid, um, mm. whereas the others but were... I do like his description aliens. of her, though. No, oh, this is where his story unraveled for me already. And I was like, Straight yeah, away. all right, here we go. You've lost me already, <laughs> mate. You've, you've been collared here. <laughs> yeah. Um, she was a shapely, beautiful woman. <laughs> oh! <laughs> yes. I'm like, okay. Now, we, now we're getting into the real story. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, a shapely, beautiful woman. Um, and. Yeah, he, he goes on to say that him and Captain Rains would have, uh, yeah, would have regular meetings in the desert at night in the middle of Nevada. I mean, alarm bells. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> they uh, they would talk about you know the Cold War and problems that the Earth were either going through or were going to be going through, which for me drew comparisons to. Uh, to injured cold as that was his proposed purpose yeah. was to stop the cold war um, and valiant thor as well and uh, and valiant thor as well yeah he was there his sole purpose was to prevent it and to yeah talk about earth and how he could help earth be better um mm. so that certainly yeah i mean i don't know well when... it seems like a lot of the contactees in the 1950s had that sort of mo that modus operandi yeah that kind of that, yeah yeah that sort of like the purpose also, the foundation again, for the story wasn't it again these are christian aliens as well that's something that i found out that they were christian aliens christian aliens christian aliens right, okay right? i missed that and my, uh... oh it's, it's brilliant mate um yeah. he was uh where have i got it i've got it right here he was entrusted by the extraterrestrials Right. To um, start uh, to create a place of learning. Okay. And uh, for those that were interested in the possibility of flying saucers. Now, right. And he was supposed to be the leader. So right. this sounds very much along the lines of. So uh, it seems like. This is Thor and Frank Strangers, yeah. isn't it? Because Frank Strangers. These Christian aliens have asked you to start a cult. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, sure. They have. It just seems like that seems to be. And he also stated as well, right, that he had physical evidence of extraterrestrial existence mm. that he never produced. No, you know, maybe like say a photograph. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was August of uh, yeah 1952. So yeah, again, if it's physical evidence, then where's the, you know, the photographs? You know. That's what I would certainly uh, yeah. expect, um, especially because she took the, you know, she took the typical appearance or almost typical appearance of uh, of the women in black. Um, but this time she wore a, a black beret, um, sunglasses, uh, black uh, blouse, but a red skirt, wasn't it? Or a red, a red dress. Right. That was the only element that wasn't black, apparently. It's a red skirt. And that was the um, encounter that, because he, he confided as a, supposedly confided in very few people as to what he was you know he confided in everyone but his wife basically yeah seems basically. to be the case um on one occasion him, yeah. yeah he went yeah. they went to a diner they finished up their night shift and they went to a diner okay. and yeah. his, his mate whitey mm. um kind of gave him a little bit of a nudge and went is that her over there 
because well, right. um, Bethurum had already told his mate at work about the encounter. I think at the time, his, his mate Whitey, as you say, just kind of laughed it off and was like, oh, you know, you're going nuts. You know, what are you talking about? Uh, you know, yeah. but then something about this woman's appearance, you know, struck him enough that, yeah, as you say, he gave uh, mm. Truman a, a sort of a nudge and was like, that's her, isn't it? Yeah. She was with her. Apparently, she her. was supposed to be... Um quite short, quite shapely. Um, and she supposedly had um, almost like a Latino, like a slight right. Latino sort of yeah. look to her face. Going back to the olive-skinned... Or Latina. Uh, yeah, the olive-skinned uh, sort of trait that we found in, mm. yeah, sort of the black-eyed children and the, the men in black. But this um, this particular encounter that he, that, he, that he reports is very different from, you know, hopping out to the desert and jumping on the saucy saucer. You know, it's, it's she kind of um, she kind of gives him the old uh, Black Widow treatment, really. Like the, yeah. you know, he goes over to his, his oh, Aura, Aura. Um, you know, it, it's me, and she's kind of just giving him the blank stare of, she's like, who? Don't know who you are. We've never um, met. Yeah, we've never met. Fobbing him off. And um, what's weird as well is the person that she was with. It was a, another male who was yeah. of similar height to her. So, again, no more than five foot tall. Um, didn't even acknowledge that Batherum was there or that Batherum was talking or no, just nothing straight, at no, all. Yeah. Yeah. No recognition. No recognition. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like that. Um, yeah. And there was another time when he spotted her walking in a, on a busy street That's and right. uh, he called out, Lady, Lady. Like this and she turned around and looked directly at him yeah now he says that you know the the sidewalk was very very populated at that point so someone shouting out lady could have come from anywhere and she turned around and stared at him and just slowly shook her head like mm. it's not the right time not or, now or yeah something. well the other thing um, with that diner encounter was that the was that they they saw the, the they saw the two sitting at the end of the table where they were at the at the diner um and he's trying to you know prove that it's her and saying you know we met the other night you know up, up in the desert you know we spoke and blah 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 and she like sort of fobs him off and she's like no I, I don't know don't know what you're talking about they slowly get up from the the table and and essentially go to exit the the diner so Truman thinks nothing of it and carries on his friend whitey had already left the diner to have a, a cigarette and he's, I think he's perched against the bonnet of someone's car, having a having a smoke. Um, Truman, Tr I think Truman meets him uh, a few moments later, um, and the male of the the two um, approaches Truman and says uh, she did she didn't want to say anything in front of your friend, but yes, she does remember you, mm. something like that, and that's all he says, and then he walks off. Yeah, um, which is. And then when he speaks weird in itself, well, as it's well, very right? odd. Like, why wouldn't you just acknowledge that you'd that you'd sort of met him? You know, why why would that be one? Yeah, why would that be one thing that you would sort of deny out of the whole out of the whole thing? Unless, of course, Batherum was shitting himself because someone walked in who looked exactly like the woman he described, and old mate is gone. Is that her? That's got to be her. her isn't it? You yeah. you've, you've told me that's what that's exactly what she looks you like. Described her, bang on. Yeah, that's got to be her. And he's gone. Oh shit! I've got to go and talk to her now. <laughs> yeah. And that's why yeah, she's gone. That. 
I don't know you, who are you? because yeah. I don't know you. <laughs> well, that would have, yeah, I mean, that would have definitely worked. I mean, this bit might have been added just to try and add credence to the story, but <clears throat> but yeah, as, obviously, as they're walking out the diner, the the the, the male of the two, the men, in, the man in black, turns and says uh, to Bethurum, which is the first thing he says in the whole encounter. Um, something along the lines of yes she does remember you or yes it was her or something like that he joins yeah. her at the door of the diner and then they disappear so he believes that they just left the diner or whatever he joins his mate Whitey outside who was having a cigarette just kind of standing around waiting um, and he says oh like did you see him leave the diner like how weird was that and he was like we well, talk about they haven't left the diner yeah and he was no like, one's yeah, walked through that door they, apart from you and he was like yeah they just walked out yeah and he says like no, you're no one's walked out since since you or before you. So um, yeah, so that was very yeah, that was very creepy. And I say it was around the time of the yeah, I've got me me dates wrong, but yeah, it was around the time of um, yeah, sort of the early fifties. So very much around the same time as Valiant Four. Mm. Um, well, that was also in the UFO flap that was going on at that time. Yeah, at that time and that as, as well. well. Yeah. So there was again kind of UFO. And yeah. high strangeness, men in black, women in black. It, it was up to at be... the yeah, high end of the yeah. Richter scale, wasn't it? Something that, was uh... happening. Something really was happening then. Um it was a yeah. lot of people were, a lot of people, especially at the time, were attributing it to the introduction of atomic weaponry. Mm. So it's a good enough that's a good enough uh, explanation for it, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. One... There's something odd. Well, one potential explanation, which I think you might be a fan of, and I'm not sure if you made a note of this or not, but mm. it's claimed that Aura Reigns or Aura Reigns was actually a uh, sort of modern version of the British Fey Folk, um, yes. which I know we mentioned a little bit earlier, I think, but also in the previous Black Eyed Children uh, episode, um, and that mm. she was sent to Earth to deliberately intimidate and seduce men um, in order to, in order that they would give up intel uh, and important information about Earth, that she could then report Absolutely. back it to does, her superiors, which is a, a sort of a trait of, you know, the faith. It's not all sort of yeah. Well, that's where lost the... boys. It's uh, no far more sinister. The thing that popped well, into my head actually well, was Species, the film Species. Yeah, <laughs> it was almost that type of thing. Yeah, we come to come to Earth to uh, yeah. to breed. To come to breed um, and populate yeah yeah which is um which is a, a common theme with regards to alien films anyway i mean just take alien for for that matter oh yeah exactly you yeah know, impregnating yeah impregnating you in some way but yeah, exactly, yeah you're right yeah. i did like i did like the the way nick redfern did kind of try and join aura reigns into yeah. the faith folk because that in itself crops up in a lot of cases you know there's various different things mm. from sirens and mermaids um there was yeah exactly uh, yeah oh there was uh some uh, there was another dina she that was mm. um i can't remember its name now but it was a she that did exactly okay. the same sort of thing um yeah which is a common sort of thing and i suppose if she's sort yeah. of diminutive as well you know yeah. no more That's than right. five foot tall then I guess they must say, oh, she must be sense. a little fairy or something. Well, the other thing that Bethurum does say with these encounters is that although she was sometimes kind of a bit, what he would say was uh, flirty, for the most part, she, the encounters were always quite sort of hostile. 
mm. which again, uh, although I don't again know too much at this point with the the kind of the, the faith folk, that's again quite a, a well. It seems like he hostility he had uh, a couple of close encounters of the you know what kind of, of that kind river. Of, yeah, well that's why I mentioned well, that's, that's what certainly what he uh, that's uh, what he claims reported. Anyway. Yeah, that's what he that's what he claims. Bless him. Space babes. But, <laughs> space babes. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's again. Well, that's that's exactly why I mentioned species because that as soon as I sort of listened to the end of that encounter and and his claims of the you know kind of um, intergalactic hanky panky, um, that's what uh, that's what came to mind was that film. <laughs> intergalactic hanky panky. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> if we named it if we gave titles to our episodes i suppose that would be it wouldn't it but, yeah uh, yeah we, we have to do a little sub note sub, intergalactic yeah, women in black intergalactic hanky banky <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the mysterious Brilliant. companions of the men in black in their intergalactic hanky panky <laughs> <laughs> there you go nick you're welcome there you go yeah, yeah you're welcome yeah yeah thanks for that yeah um, but no, that was one again. I picked that one, or we picked that one. Sorry, because mm. it was, again, it was it was the most compelling out of out of it. it was It was interesting. It did make me laugh, um, yeah. and it also did draw sort of heavy comparisons for me with the Valiant Thor encounter that obviously we went over yeah. back in what episode five, I think it was. It um, was yeah. So yeah, and I thought that it was quite intriguing. That again, you know, we've got a different, you know. Uh, planet you know we've had venus we've had lanulose now we've got clarion yeah or or clarion um you know injured cold valiant thor we've now got aura reigns so we now Mm. starting to put together a bit of a you know guardians of the galaxy sort of mishmash (laughs) of uh you know sort of individuals so yeah i just thought we added a bit of sort of all here to spread the word of god exactly all uh, here to yeah conveniently Christians assemble. Spread the word of the same God, yeah, considering they're supposedly from light years away, but yeah, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a whole different episode. But unfortunately, like uh, Strangers, the theorem gets absolutely ripped apart online. Oh, um, yeah, people don't believe it. He just... It's absolutely destroyed with the... It's when he, it's when he gets to the, the description of uh, the flirtatious sort of banter almost that they have, and then mm. the fact that he, he claims that they have, you know, mated, hopped on the good foot and did the bad thing. Exactly right. Yeah, it's uh, it's when he gets to those points that I think he really starts to lose people, and and that's I mean that's where he he lost me because I was like, yeah, all right, mate. Yeah, come on. Yeah, it's it's, it's just starting to sound like yeah, uh, old. Yeah, Mills and Boone. A yeah, little exactly. bit. <laughs> knock it yeah. off, will you? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a, yeah knockoff Mills and Boone novel yeah um but yeah, yeah so there that was, was that. Um... and again it just shows the mm. potential although this was this is kind of drawing more comparisons to kind of you know fey folk based on her persona her attitude her appearance you know again you know she sort of certainly fits into that women in black mo um you know and also with her intentions you know finding information about us and you know about earth and you know kind of whatever else so but so we end that uh, encounter there in uh, Mopa Valley, California. Um, we we came back across the pond to the, the UK, you know, a little bit in the eighties. Um, but uh, I want to stick into the the nineteen fifties. Nineteen fifty five is where uh, 
you know, is where this one uh, sort of originates. Um, and we're we're back in uh, we're back in the UK. Um, an MI5 agent um, is uh, is included in this one. Yeah. So this encounter involves a Mr. Brian Kingersley. Now it's his grandfather who was the MI5 agent, and in 1955, his grandfather was part of uh, an investigation into a man who claimed to have had an encounter with a a human-looking alien. Now, the, the man being investigated was a major figurehead in the British military. Um, he was poised to basically press the red button on our nuclear warheads in the Cold War, should it have yeah, ever gone. Yeah, should it have yeah, ever, got, we to ever point. got to go to war with uh, the Soviets? Yeah, he, he was, was the guy. Close, to, really? Well, yeah, he was the guy that was made. You know, uh, you know that would he make the trusted. call in in hitting that red button. Um, so this was all um, obviously super kind of top secret at the time. So it was only in kind of the later years that various kind of names and departments were, you know, allowed to be uh, you know sort of shared or or, or mentioned. Um, now, the name of this guy that they were investigating was Air Marshal Sir Beresford Peter Torrington Halsley. It's quite a, a mouthful. Cool. Um, and Easy, in 19... Exactly, yeah. Say that three times. Um, mm -hmm. In 1954, he came face-to-face -face, uh, with this humanoid alien that we sort of later found out was... Uh, who went by the name Mr. Janus. Or Mr. Janus. Um, first name, Q. First name. <laughs> you couldn't <laughs> could help yourself, could you? <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> you couldn't help yourself. But yes, very good. Yeah. His name was yeah, Mr. Hugh Janus. Yeah, we yes. all know where that one came from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Matt Groening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Horsley sort of got involved because he was essentially asked to work very closely with uh, the late Duke of Edinburgh, um, who reportedly had a fascination with UFOs. Now, it's it's reported that he he couldn't be seen to have a fascination with UFOs or you know want to look into anything of that that nature for you know the good of the royal family and whatever else so so Horsley with his military background was basically drafted in to essentially continue the research on behalf of the the Duke of Edinburgh um now an, another guy another chap uh Sir Arthur Barnett uh sorry Sir Arthur Barrett um who worked as a, a gentleman usher to the state introduced Horsley to another figurehead in the British military, a General Martin, um, who in turn <laughs> introduced him to the elusive Mrs. Markham. Um, ah. Now, it's General Martin's belief that UFOs were visitors from another planet who were warning us against nuclear war, much like our Arrains, Valiant Thor, um yeah and so this yeah mr janice apparently had the same intentions um now sir horsley was told to attend a a meeting 
at an apartment in Chelsea in London um, where he was to meet a, a stranger, the aforementioned Mr. Janus. Um, now, allegedly, the apartment was on South Street in uh, in Chelsea, which belonged to this Mrs. Markham. We never find out kind of her full name, title, mm. or why or how she's involved, only that that's her name. Yeah. Um, now, they... They they meet on this on this particular night, and this Mr. Janus, the humanoid alien, uh, questions Horsley on his knowledge of UFOs and his involvement um, in, in in yeah in like how he how he came to being involved in UFOs considering his gotcha. background. So they so obviously knew is in, is inducting him into like an interview sort of thing like. Kind of, be almost like a grilling, like the census. Kind of, tapers. yeah, pretty much like a grilling. So they knew what his involvement was, but they were kind of wanting him to confirm it because he had a distinct military background. How did he mm. end up looking into kind of UFOs? So this Mr. Janus wanted to um, sort of question that. Um, the feeling that Horsley says that he he got from from Janus was that he was there to observe us and nothing more so there was nothing kind of threatening or you know or, or anything like that really um now he he believes that janus also tried to read his mind he doesn't know kind of what information he would have got from him uh, or how he knows but he just said he had a feeling in his head that it that someone, someone else, else was, was in there as well. Yeah, it was yeah. a bit fuzzy and a bit kind of. He just knew something was going on, and that's kind of the what he took from that feeling was that mm. um, Janus was trying to, yeah, sort of read his uh, read his mind. Now, it, although it was never confirmed, it's also believed that this Mrs. Markham um, was also believed to be a female humanoid, um, and. It's a little her sort of involvement gets a bit weird, but the night before, so during the encounter between uh, Air Marshal Horsley and Mr. Janus, this Mrs. Markham, aside from offering up her apartment, has no other involvement in this encounter. She doesn't say anything, she doesn't really offer anything to it, really, that she kind of just lets them get on with it, but she's kind of the host, the, the yeah. introducer. Um, but the night before, um, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say it was almost like she, the attentions on on Mr. Janus, yes. so that she's in the background, maybe observing uh, Horsley, mm. just watching him, how yeah. he reacts, and like so. It's almost again, it's like mm. she's there in charge, but she's not. She's conducting the whole thing, but through someone else. For, yeah, almost like using a puppet on on her behalf, which kind of leads quite nicely into the, the sort of the next bit. So the first time that uh, Air Marshal Horsley actually meets Mrs. Markham is, as I say, the night before the meeting with, with Janus. Um, and he described, he he's basically at his apartment. Um, Mrs. Markham basically turns up, knocks on his door. Uh, he wasn't aware that he'd given his address out, so didn't know how she, you know, managed to find him. But mm. she sorry he described her as uh being very pale dressed in a long black thick coat with black heels and long black hair she had a monotone voice and a rather expressionless face 
which he even said that it seemed the... like her hair was a wig as well. Yeah, again, it didn't look natural, which would fit in again MO. with the whole women in black uh, mo. Um, now, Mrs. Markham claimed that the world was in danger of nuclear war at the hands of the Soviets. She wanted Horsley to get on board with other extraterrestrials and work together with this Mr. Janus to basically disarm the world of nuclear weapons. Um, now, he was very sceptical of, of kind of this intention from Mrs. Markham um, because he felt that although disarming the various countries of their nuclear weapons you know, would be good for the world in terms of it not destroying itself. His scepticism came from the fact that he then felt that it would leave the earth susceptible to attacks from elsewhere. So he mm -hmm. then thought, is she getting me to do this to basically weaken earth like so visitors bluff. from other planets can come and attack us quite easily? Um, because up with like Valiant Thor in particular, he was quite concerned with the nuclear weapons so was it a yeah. case of aliens disarming us for their own cause but going about it in so much as you know trying to convince us that it was for our benefit yeah that they you know almost like a like a gun amnesty you know like a, a yeah. nation lay down your arms, up their arms yeah you know because it's all for your safety you know yeah. so then the guns are off the streets people yeah you know so we're the only ones with the guns then you know the government yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's happened a few times, mate. Yeah, no, exactly. And he, so he kind of um, he kind of communicates his scepticism to Mrs. Markham. Um, he says that he would still meet with with her friend at this time. He he hadn't been given a name or anything. But he said he'd he'd meet with the uh, yeah he'd he'd meet with the the individual. Um, he'd still discuss the matter further, um, but he had no interest in actually employing that tactic um it was then that she uh she sort of stood up smiled and left his apartment um again not saying anything else now much like um the earlier encounter um he's laying in bed and he's awoken by a wailing scream um from that of a female spirit which he believed was specifically a banshee um, sent to deliver a message of misfortune. That was his kind of vibe. Um, now, I don't think he describes again any, um, you know, kind of words or, you know, anything anything like that, really. Um, yeah. He, again, it was just a wailing scream that kind of woke him up in the early hours. But this was the same night that he interacted with mrs markham as opposed to so, a few days later that happened to um to the you know the, the chap earlier um colin perks. perks yeah so again very similar in terms of how they were woken what they were woken by that it was a female figure you know he says it was more like a spirit like a banshee but then you know banshee does take on that form which was also described by perks mm. so um yeah, so again, I, I wanted to just kind of brush over that. It, again, if, if anyone wants to deep dive into that more, then obviously pick up Redfern's book because he goes oh, yeah. into Great kind of book. a lot more detail. A lot of it's kind of filler and a bit fluffy, and you don't really need to know it for the context of the the encounter. Um, but again, it's it's a it's a 
another encounter with a you know fabled woman in black um turning quite threatening and sinister to achieve her end game to convince people to kind of fall in line and do what you know she wants them you know to do now whether janus was a puppet being controlled by markham or whether they were basically a man and woman in black taking on these personas um it was never really it was never really detailed or, or kind of confirmed really they've just kind of agreed that these individuals were odd um you know they were you know sort of quite peculiar it seems like as well that i don't think we've really mentioned it much with regards to the, the encounters that we've gone over is that that same overwhelming feeling of dread that comes across when they interact with these women um it's not yes. necessarily just the the looks and their behavior but it's the energy that they're picking up on that's emanating from these people from these women that nothing it, it, to, on paper if we just say it as it is like we cut like we have done yeah it's there's nothing really anything particularly too scary or anything like that but if you've ever had that cold dead stare that someone might give not just a woman but anyone <laughs> in general it is incredibly unnerving like if you look in the eyes it of a killer like some of those sas guys you get on the tv yeah they, they've got there's something in their eyes dead stare yeah there's just nothing there's something in their the eyes, eyes that, sort of thing yeah it's like the way a bear might look at you like can i eat yeah. that yeah, yeah exactly. which is yeah. terrifying yeah. because it just doesn't care you know it's no. you are literally insignificant and what i like about Nick Redfern's book is he he doesn't try and push one particular theory mm. at all you know we, we've discussed it earlier on where you know we've got the various different uh, theories as to what they could be you know we've got um, exactly uh, we yeah spoke about briefly we spoke about vampires uh, faith paranormal folk. faith folk demonic Demons. yeah alien aliens you know, yeah much like or, the black eyed children again the same yeah. sort of theories cropped up in explaining you know, the women in black and in turn, you know, I guess to an extent the, you know, the men in black, um, mm. you know, I mean, the, he... the, the, the three could be, you know, the branches of the same, you know, sort of group or organization and they just take on different forms depending on where they've been, yeah. I don't know, recruited from, I suppose, yeah. in, you know, in their yeah. appearance, you know, if you, if you, I know they're just films, but if you take the men in black films, you've got agents of the men in black, from different planets, different races, sexes, creatures, you know, all sorts. There's no reason why if these guys do exist, that they've not done the same thing, that they but, are yeah, taking different forms based on their purpose or, or you know, for their mission or their intent. Well, if we do take into uh, Bender's account, you know, he, he describes yeah. something that is very much along, like it's true form, very much along the same sort of lines as the Flatwoods monster. Which is why exactly, we got into yeah. that episode. Which is how we got you there. Know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it the, the, offers up again. I think so that's, many. that's quite a nice, uh, nice little theory that it is something along those sort of lines. Maybe not quite as Hollywood and fluffy, and you know they're not necessarily here to protect us, but no. they're far here more to... sinister intentions. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of sinister, sinister intentions, I very much I don't want to say I like the idea a bit, but the theory that I find more compelling mm. is the idea that these abductions and creatures and um, I say creatures women in black men in black the idea is that they're trying to create human hybrids 
human alien yes. hybrids and that would explain the phantom social workers or the bogus social workers as as nick yes. Griffin refers to them that might explain their their objective yeah um but there's also plenty of stories with regards to abductees that you know it's not just um we've had surgery done on them where you know mm. there's scarring on the ovaries or scarring on the testicles or whatever yeah is also there's actual accounts of you know jumping on the good foot and doing the bad thing yeah you know there Sexual is that that actually happened absolutely yeah. you no, know, there is so, absolutely. and that's that does kind of tie in you know, to some of the, like you say, with the phantom well, social into... workers and the Ara Rains thing, if you if you choose to yeah. believe that, you know, that she was sent... And Truman's to... one as well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know, that she was sent to, you know, intimidate, you know, men, find out, you know, sort of information, you know, if the, you know, sexual element of their encounter is yeah. true, then is that, again, because she's, you know, been sent to kind of repopulate, um, you know, her own, you know, species with alien human you know sort of hybrids you've got the women mm. posing as the phantom social workers you know were they literally just stealing you know babies because they were struggling to reproduce their own you know their own you know race so yeah you know, the men in black had the intention of finding out more information and trying to silence us you know whereas the women in, in black had you know other objectives objectives which was to you know kind of kill and kidnap or you know, intimidate us where they could to, you know, mm. to weaken us and also use us to, you know, kind of repopulate. Yeah, so I guess that um, so, that brings us to getting off the fence. It does. So, it does. Um, how are we get? How are we getting off the fence? Well, I guess you've, well, I so, guess you've kind of alluded to yours sort of already. So you can, you can, you can kind of elaborate on that, I guess, more, but yeah yeah i suppose where i'm going is probably to kind of keep in tow with you know the men in black and you're more so the men in black i guess where, whereby they are a, a kind of an alien i suppose more of an alien race with maybe shape-shifting capabilities which is where the gargoyle banshee type you know, mm. demonic presence, you know, comes from, because they do take on a very humanoid, um, you know, appearance with the, you know, with the, I guess what is believed to be the artificial skin, you know, the same skin tone as what we've seen in other men in black and, and women in black encounters, you know, yeah. the same attire, you know, the, the shoddy, you know, kind of wigs, the ov oversized clothing, you know, wearing it in odd climates, um, you know, popping mm. up in all so sorts. dressing for the weather. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Odd, yeah. you know, sort of language, which may or may not be representative of that time period. So, yeah, I guess if I was to come off the fence, then, yeah, I'd say it would probably tie in more to the the kind of the men in black, um, you know, in, in, in it being of alien in in nature. But then, you know, if they don't, if it doesn't go their own way, the women mm. in black then send in the second artillery almost but you know the by cavalry way of the, sort of thing exactly by way of these yeah. demonic banshee type sort of so when you say stones. alien so all of this is very yeah. alien but we might need to make the distinction of is it extraterrestrial or is it so, ultra terrestrial yeah. i would stick with extraterrestrial i think for now i think along the same lines as 
you know, men in black, they're from other planets or a distant planet. They've got a sole mm. purpose, um, but they're not quite skilled in executing said purpose. And so that's why they look very awkward, carry a very distinct appearance. Um, you know, they're odd questioning, you know, how they carry themselves. It all, it all kind of, you know, all kind of ties in. But yeah, I, I think, I, th- I think you've got to go down the, the sort of the demonic slash extraterrestrial kind of route i think but when you when you take mm. into account the appearances the encounters you know what happens to these people afterwards um you know i think without getting too fantastical i think you could end up going down any route like we've mentioned with vampires yeah. you know fey folk you know paranormal mm. which i i think it's less on that side of things well this so, is where my my thoughts come that's where i'd kind that. of go i i'm kind of jump in between the two different theories on it and kind of merging them together a little bit. Mm. I think they're ultra terrestrial, but they're also interdimensional. Now, this is, this is why my thinking around it. So have you seen the example of the 2d world being interacted with a three dimensional object? So the idea you've mentioned it before, you know, when when we've uh, talked, you know, yeah, my, podcast, my boy yeah. started talking about it yeah. and yeah, you mentioned kind of getting it. Yeah, freaked out about it. That's right. So um, yeah. what I believe is that we are, I think we're fourth dimensional beings. I think that's right. the way that we work. We work on four dimensions um, in the way that we live our lives, the realms that we live in, etc. Now, I believe that these creatures are five or more dimension dimensional beings. And that they can interact with us and they can uh, observe us they can yeah. notice our behaviors they can watch us all times right. and then they choose when they interact with us and when they interact with us mm-hmm. it's slightly different so i'll use that 2d for anyone that doesn't know this particular example it's a 2d world so you've got height and width that's it and you've got creatures that live in this world now if you take say something like a cylinder and you put that cylinder into that world say lengthways first then to those that 2d world is going to appear as a circle yeah now if you take it out and put it in width wave width ways first then it's going to appear as a rectangle so it's still the same object in this three-dimensional form but in this 2D world, it appears in very different, very different ways. That's right. And I believe that's a very similar sort of thing as to what we experience with these creatures. Is yeah. that we may experience them as fey folk, we may experience them as extraterrestrials, so these flying saucers, yeah. these UFOs up in the air. They are ways in which these interdimensional beings that yeah. live on a plane that is far superior to mm. ours when i say superior there's multiple more dimensions than I what we can work. exist in yeah and when they interact with our realm our plane mm. that they appear in these various different ways and forms and yeah, i guess that ties into the bigfoot theory that that i've got or that we've got where they're mm. interdimensional and that they they take a very different form but they present themselves in the form in which we are kind of used to, or that we've fabricated ourselves because we couldn't 
uh, process I think, form, that kind of thing. But I think sometimes they don't have control over it. That's why when they do yeah. appear to us in these various different forms, that's why like the men in black always look off because mm. they can't really control 100% as to what How they, they appear to us yeah. like. She and I, there's always punching an idea, about, but they don't know how it will turn out, sort of thing. Yeah, 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 pretty much. And that's yeah. what I think the things like Bigfoot is as well. Mm. It's that sort of that same thing that they're appearing. This thing, this creature, this entity might be appearing yeah. or manifesting itself in the material realm. That's called mm. this that. Yeah, uh, that we live in the material realm that it thinks that okay well this is how i've got to interact and then it doesn't actually interact that way yeah um and i think that's what i think the men in black and the women in black are two very different things mm. but they appear in very similar ways yeah, the same with the black eyed children i mean i know that i said in the previous episode that i think this i'm going more down the sort of faith folk sort mm. of way with the with the children in black that's it and since, you know, looking at the women in black, mm. uh, at the black-eyed children even, and, and since going down the women in black sort of route, I do believe that it's more of an interdimensional sort of thing that they don't necessarily have control over okay. how they appear to us and how they interact with us. That's why sometimes, like for instance, Bruce Lee's interaction, mm. that he went and spoke to them and they kind of looked at each other, looked at him, and didn't interact because yeah. maybe they hadn't, hadn't banked on him yeah. talking English. You yeah. know, maybe they had banked on him talking telepathically. Like mm. maybe they would. Yeah. Um, I mean, they hadn't pre-programmed their response or their questioning to know what they were going to say. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm landing on. Is yeah, that, they're that makes sense. Interdimensional beings that are ultra-terrestrial, so they are here. They've always been here, mm. but we can't interact with them at our as freely as we would like to. It's only yeah. on them. It's, it's very on much their on their terms. terms. Yeah, I mean that could work as well. I could be on board with that. I mean, especially with how they just appear and disappear just as quickly. Their appearance is always off. Yeah, never quite a you know a sign of the times or a reflection of the period in which they're in. And, and you know, we know from the encounters we've gone over, you know, on in this episode. But there's probably a good hundred year span at least just of what mm. we've covered of, there's, of they when they can turn to be up fascinated by us as well this is yeah exactly so you know yeah and yeah different parts of the you know sort of the, the, the planet and stuff so yeah I, I could i could yeah sort of buy into buy into that one as well um so yeah, it's as good again that we've got two fairly different kind of theories um, yeah although they do i suppose ultimately go full circle with one another anyway in uh, in some shape I or think form we'll certainly be crossing uh, that red string over each other's boards that's yes that's for yeah sure. we'll, be, we'll be coming back to these points again <laughs> in the uh not too distant future i am sure of that <laughs> absolutely and yeah. uh we'd actually really like to hear what side of the fence you guys fall on um yeah do you so think it's all touch. nonsense do you think it's just yeah one is it just one group? Is it just men in black, or is it just women in black, or do they deliberately take on these different forms? Or yeah, or is it like what you said? Uh, is it like a consortium of yeah, different exactly. species yeah. that you know there's branches of men in black yeah. dotted all over the galaxy? Exactly. Yeah, um, going Which around stopping uh, stopping intergalactic hanky panky. 
exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> um, we've not really come, to, you know, we've not really covered any of the particular theories other than to attribute them to the particular topic that we're sort of talking mm. about. So do you guys think that they are, you know, fey folk? Are they demonic? Are they paranormal? Are they extraterrestrial? Um, you know, ultra-terrestrial? Um, you know, sort of let us know. Or do you think it's yeah. utter nonsense and you don't, you or, don't believe any of it's true? And absolutely. If so, you know, sort of why? Um, but it's always worthwhile doing what we did and getting on Nick Redfern's book, The Women in Black. Yeah, precisely. Um, I mean, there were literally hundreds, very of, good read. hundreds of encounters that he goes over in the in the book. Some, you know, longer, some short, some are very brief, down to a literal, you know, sighting, you know, in a, in a woodland area or whatever. So, yeah, if you want to deep dive into any of them, then, yeah, uh, pick up uh, his book. I think it's called Women in Black, The, the Mysterious Companions of the Men in Black. The creepy, I think it's, creepy companions uh, of I think the, it's called, the men in black. Yeah. Um, yeah. I say we listen to the audio book, but there obviously is the paperback uh, available. And yeah, if you want to deep dive into any of the ones that we've gone over, then uh, feel free to do so. And we'd like to mm. kind of hear your hear your theories. Get in touch, but, um, Get in touch on the as, socials. Uh, as always, it's at that point where we uh, talk about what we're going to cover. What we're going to cover next? Yes. Out of all of yeah. that. <laughs> so. Uh, our next episode, um, and we've we've mentioned it a couple of times so far in this episode. Yeah, um, we both seem quite we're both quite happy to go with this, but it's the legend yeah. of the banshee. Yes, that screaming harbinger of death. Yes, absolutely. That plagues Celtic uh, and yeah. Irish. Yeah, and Welsh. So, yeah. so yeah, was uh, there's plenty of stories, plenty of creatures that resemble the legend of the banshee so we're going to be mm. looking at those see if we could tie them all together and yeah. uh and uh, that's that's gonna be our next see if episode we find so. any, see if we find any more synchronicities between them and other cryptids that we've already that we've already covered i think we'll find i think we few. will i think yeah. we i think we definitely will in uh in some uh in some form but no, i'm looking forward to yeah. diving into that one and and seeing what we can uh seeing what we can uncover yeah so but before we do go i do want to say thanks again to james for sending over his story to me yeah um, yeah great okay, bit mate. of content that mate much appreciated and yeah. if you again if you guys have any sort of stories that you want to uh yeah. share with us then if any feedback that for us any sort of reviews Absolutely. shout outs anything that you want to kind of send in to us it's uh cryptid ramblers podcast.hotmail.com um and hit us up and we'd uh yeah we'd love to hear from you yeah so again thanks for everyone that's listened thank you and continue to like and share our social podcasts um yeah, and uh, for continuing to support us and yeah, remember appreciate it remember stay classy west virginia <laughs> <laughs> very good <laughs>